what we're doing now is not sustainable. Like that word is is such bullshit. It's so rare that we're actually doing something that's good enough that we is worth sustaining. We're still at that 80% of something is better than 100% of nothing. You know, we're still trying to get there. We're still creating. We're still learning. Ah, oh, this clothing brand should be circular. We should have a send back program. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, this thing is made out of 20% virgin plastics. Like we need to tell people that so they understand what they're buying and like the limitations of recycling. And oh my gosh, it's shedding these microfibers. We need to send out a filter, you know? So like, we're not... We're not there yet. That was Kate Nelson, and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally, and their continuing connection to country, culture, community, land, sea and sky. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. G'day, I'm your host, Charlie Arnott, an eighth-generational Australian regenerative farmer. And in this podcast series, I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host, Charlie Arnott. This week's episode uh, is with Kate Nelson, um, aka the Plastic Free Mermaid. We sat, and I'm still sitting on a veranda of her beautiful little Queenslander here, just outside of Byron Bay, and we talked all manner of things: plastic, its in, its its influence in health, in the environment, its insidious nature, what makes it up how you can take it out of your life we talk regenerative agriculture and the similarities between you know ridding ridding the world of plastic and ridding the world of of uh plastic like substances in in farming um it was a was fascinating just to understand and dispel a lot of the myths around plastic as well and just before we jump into the interview i just want to let you know and remind you that we will be hamish mckay and i will be down in south australia uh, with all those wonderful crow editors down there uh, at Barossa, the Barossa Valley on the 3rd and 4th of May at the Alkina Wine Estate there with Dan and Amelia and all those wonderful people. Um, now, just to make a note of that, we are just talking about how biodynamics applies to wine uh, and and viticulture. It is about horticulture. It's about broad acres. It's about small-scale garden. It's whatever you want to, however you want to um Apply biodynamics to your world and your life. So there on the 3rd and 4th of May in the Barossa Valley at the uh, um, Alkina um, Wine Estate and on the 7th and uh, – sorry, 6th and 7th of May, that's the, later in that same week at McLaren Vale at Gem Tree Wines there with Melissa and Michael um, who produce some amazing wines as does the um, Alkina Estate. So just to reinforce that, you don't have to be a wine grower – you might want to be a grape eater, but not a wine grower or a winemaker to come to these courses down there in South Australia. They are open to everyone. So spread the news far and wide. We'd love to see you there. Uh, tickets available on charliearnett.com.au and uh, um, get all the details and tickets there. Love to see you down in South Australia. Cannot wait to get down there and uh, haven't been there for a while. So looking forward to it. So I trust you enjoy as much as I did this um, wonderful, insightful and educational, most importantly, given she has a wonderful book called I Quit Plastics. I um, hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Um, Kate Nelson. Kate Nelson. Hello. How are you? I'm so great. AKA Plastic Free Mermaid. That's right. 
I notice you're not wearing your tail today because no. you wear a few. Tell us why we're so far from the ocean Well, um, and, where, and where we are. We're out in Richmond Hill on Boat Harbour Road, which is about half hour from the ocean. Uh, Your Boat Harbour Road? Yeah, it used to be where um, all of the uh, cedar was logged and then sent down the river to be sent back to Europe. We're getting a bit of wind there. Mm. I'm going to grab that sock. Oh, yeah, okay. Get the sock. Sock. I reckon you get that one because... Oh, excuse me, listeners... How's that? <laughs> That's great. Sound better? Much better. Yeah. I'll in this in this and if I get a bit of disturbance in mine, I'll um I'll do mine too. Okay. So back to it. You both have a road. Yeah, so we're out in the country now. I'm country mermaid trying my my hand at being a custodian of, of a bit of land and um yeah, just doing what seems like one of the best things for our planet, just regenerating land and growing food and um yeah, it's been lovely. Tell me, what are we looking at here? Because we, we've perched up here. Um, Oliver has been amazing in setting us up here. Um, we've He's actually pretty much built a table on the balcony <laughs> yeah. to attach everything um, and set us up amazingly well. Why are we here? What are we looking at? And, and, and what I try and do is plant my interviewees in the in a spot that's inspiring. Mm. I mean, clearly he's inspiring. Look at him down there. <laughs> He's running around taking photos, that's right. Um, Yeah, so we're on, what we're looking at here is a little strip of land. We've got five acres, um, which is far more than I expected. It's more work than than I ever dreamed of, Um, but it's perfect. It's such a beautiful strip. And this whole actual hillside um, used to be owned by one family, the Waddell family. Through here. Yep, and um, then they just divided this strip uh, to keep this house. This is an old Queenslander built mm. in 1890. Wow. So it's got some really beautiful hardwood bones and um, a few tacky renos whacked on top, Yeah, um, which is, you know, all part of the plan of, of buying out here in the, in the country, in the hinterland, to just redo the home, grow some food. Um, but the whole area uh, was sold to pretty much one cattle farmer. Mm. So he has his cows on opposite sides of our fence. And sometimes a baby gets stuck on the opposite side as a mom and they have to move back and forth across our little strip, helping the little baby get up the <laughs> hill around the back of the property. It's really cute. <laughs> and um, uh, so it was, it was, it's still owned by one family, a lot of the country through here then? Um, it's still obviously of, cattle country. Yep. So this is a new farmer here, but um, mm. the, the family has kind of like retired up onto the hill, onto yeah, Richmond nice. Hill. Um, but they, yeah, they were dairy farmers here for a while. And is, is, is this inspiring? I mean, where, where were you before? Well, you don't have to give me the exact address, but, <laughs> you know, were you in town or somewhere and, and what sort of prompted you to go, you know what, I need a bit of what, I mean, this is a wonderful serenity. It's so peaceful. Yeah, I, I was in town. I've been in town for about six years mm. and uh, surfed every day and snorkeled and free dive, you know, as much as I could, just being close to the beach and it's, Certainly why I live here um, is to have that relationship with the ocean. But in my research, you know, I kind of had the climate awakening last two years ago and just panicked about what are we going to do? And, and of course, my focus is plastic um, and it's all connected and related. But um, 
in my concern, I just felt like, wow, we have so much work to do. And there are so many people that want to grow food and that have so many incredible skills in this area, um, from permaculture to horticulture to, you know, syntropic, you know, there's just so many amazing skilled people. So, um, if we can, you know, be sharing land and creating more community and, um, then that would, that feels like a really beautiful offering, uh, so yeah, that's, that was kind of the intention and as well as to just be a bit more grounded and, um, yeah, put some roots in. Make, make an impact. I want to get back to that, but I want to take you back to the beginning of your life because this shows obviously the regenerative journey. Yeah. That's the name. And I'm interested to know, um, I guess where yours started. I mean, there's obviously, there's, you know, most people have a portion of their life mm-hmm. where there's, doing stuff and then, yeah. it, you know, there's sometimes a, epiphanies. I think I understand or know um, where what your epiphanies may have been, but that's not for me to tell that story. Um, <laughs> so I'm keen, to, I'm keen to hear it. But before we do that, I just want to – I forgot to mention that also you um, – just to give everyone a bit of a heads up on, on um, Kate, she um, – you're also known as a water woman, magical mermaid, yogi – goddess correct that's unreal <laughs> yeah how did that come about um well apart, I, from, I the, apart all, from the fact it's, it's a fact right but thank you mm. um we're all magical in our own ways um i feel like i've really tapped into my magic through nature connection through my relationship with the ocean and just cultivating that awe and that wonder from spending time underwater um from playing on the ripples and on the surface and um you know, what's connected, you know, my nature connection as well as my yoga practice. So having a strong yoga practice, daily um, meditation, breath work. Also, that helped me stay on a spiritual journey. Mm. Um, and I think those two intertwining have helped me um, feel, you know, always on path and aligned. Uh, I've, I came into my purpose um, when I was about 20. And just felt like really strong and called, you know, figuring, you know, feeling like I know I'm on this planet. Mm. Um, and so to have such a strong calling for something, such a strong purpose and connection to something like that, I, I felt like I had to really, wow, what are the things that pull me back to center? What keeps me aligned on this mission? Um, ocean time, ocean play, um, adventure, as well as like discipline, yoga, breath, meditation. Um, and those are two like epic <laughs> elements of life that have helped me kind of create this sort of like bliss and, um, you know, have helped me on my regenerative journey. Like those regenerate me constantly. And, and I feel like that's what's given me like so much sovereignty and like, and power and, um, and like vibrancy that, that makes me feel like, mm, like, yes, water goddess. <laughs> <laughs> no, to say it, do it. I think it's, yeah. um, it's fantastic. I think, you know, more, more people, especially men should be, it's very t- Tony Robbins to, you know, call yourself something, which is great. Mm. I've done a bit of Tony Robbins stuff in, in, you know, some years ago. And he's all about like, don't call yourself, I don't know, a farmer, call yourself like a, sunshine harvesting food producing yeah. maniac you know i think it's really good it's really mm. empowering to um and, and men we don't do that um, yeah we get enough. stuck on labels a bit don't we yeah yeah it's yeah, a bit boring do. and limiting um yeah totally 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 um now tell me before, so you just alluded to the fact that tw- at around 20 something you know something happened mm. what we just to set the scene 
you know, what, what were you, what, who were you before yeah. that happened? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Minnesota, which is a state at the very top near Canada. It's where all the Great Lakes spill from Canada into the state. So it's really beautiful. It's known mm-hmm. as the land of 10,000 lakes. It's lots of trees and forests and very lush. And then from there, it kind of flattens out to farmland into the Midwest. Um, but I was so fortunate. <laughs> Where's that bill going to be? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit windy here today. That's startling, <laughs> but we're all okay. <laughs> that's actually that's a, that was the apparatus we set up to to stop the wind hitting the mics, and it's yeah, just been blown over. Blown over. Classic. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. So, um, and I used to spend my summers going up to a canoe camp. So I was a counselor at a canoe camp, and we would canoe, go on like ten days, uh, seven day journeys canoeing, and so that really helped me um, come into my own as a leader uh, to be able to like hold. Um, groups together and to just survive in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped me also just like have a really strong nature connection and, and also be just like kind of comfortable in myself. Um, I continued to do a lot of volunteer work. So my family, we did a lot of service as I was growing up. And then when I went to college, I got to kind of choose my own projects. And so they always were environmental focused, um, a lot of climate stuff in college. And then um, I studied philosophy. That was my major. I was really interested in ethics and what motivated people to do stuff, like what, mm-hmm. why people went on different paths on earth and, and their morality and, um, and particularly then environmental ethics. Like why don't, why don't people care about water and air quality and the, 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 quality of our soil where our food comes from it just like couldn't understand it so I I studied a lot of Rachel Carson and really enjoyed um study and then um it was when I was um I went to school in both Madison Wisconsin and UC Santa Barbara in California and it was in California where I was volunteering for Jean-Michel Cousteau's Ocean Future Society and I was working for a scientist there called Dr. Andrea Neal and she was studying microorganisms ingesting microplastics um, mm. and I was there to like, you know, save the dolphins and, uh, <laughs> just have, have this beautiful ocean <laughs> experience. And I was like, excuse me, what, you know, what is this that you're studying? She was, she was studying persistent organic pollutants, um, that were kind of like in floating in the ocean that we couldn't remove and that they're wreaking havoc. And, uh, she explained to me, well, you know, to break it down simply plastic doesn't biodegrade. It doesn't break down like a banana peel. It breaks up into tiny, mm. you know, millions of tiny pieces. And then those are mis- mistaken for food by like the base of the food chain, these little, um, you know, the, the phytoplankton, the zooplankton, they ingest these plastics and then they're eaten and, and so forth, eaten by larger creatures in the water. Um, and this toxicity from the plastic, it actually biomagnifies up the food chain. And I was just blown away. Because I was in college, I was, you know, going to parties and drinking out of red solo cups <laughs> and plastic water bottles at the gym and, you know, all the plastic. Like, you know, you just it was part of life, had no it? idea. Yeah. Mm. So at, that was the moment I was like, oh, my gosh, of all the things impacting the planet, like if if this is one thing I can do, I don't need plastic. Mm. Like I don't need a water bottle. I don't need a cup. Like I can bring my own. So I just said, that's it. I quit. And that was how many, 10 years ago? A bit over now, was it? bit over, yeah. A bit over. T- yeah, about that was about 12 years ago now. Yeah. And it's one thing to um, to do that and say, I'm not going to use plastic myself and everything goes along with that in your life, but you've actually gone much further than that, haven't you? Mm. Like you're teaching the world how to do that, yeah? <laughs> Pretty much. <Trying. laughs> and this yeah. is where you can plug your book. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did write a book. Uh, yeah, I've tried to create a lot of educational material. I mean, it's been such an organic journey. I've felt, um, you know, how do I, uh, first of all, me quitting alone was just hilarious because it was so socially awkward. You know, I was just like so extreme and, and outspoken about it. And I had so much fun. And that's like, you know, being a surfer and, and a freediver and a sailor. And, you know, I already kind of had a reputation as a mermaid. And so then mm. now that I was, you know, I can't have plastic. I'm a mermaid. I'm allergic. You know, so it just became made it more fun. Um, I really was observing how other environmental campaigns were presented to the public and it was all such doomsday you know like the turtles are dying we need you to sign the petition mm. and people are like i can't i don't um so i was like how can i make this a bit more fun like plastic pollution like what a dry or just depressing subject and so being a bit like playful with it um made it sustainable for myself as well um so so yeah, then did uh, did a bit of experimenting in my own life and and started sharing it on social media and uh, people just wanted to know they were curious. What do you do for shampoo? How do you, mm. you know, how do you avoid plastic when you're out and about? You know, what do you do if you order something online? Um, so I just started sharing that and it's just grown and grown. And so now I've I've tried. Yeah, I've wrote a book. I have a podcast called The Mercast. Have to have you on? Yeah, totally. Let's do that. And then yeah, I just I just blanket social media with educational information, online courses and all that good stuff. It's in the book. Um, all of the um, the tips and tricks for people to survive a world um, without plastic mm. or avoiding plastic. Um, when you started your your journey in that part, you know, avoiding plastic, did you, um, were you like hardcore, would you like walk up to people on the beach and like slap the plastic cup out of their hand and go, what are you doing? Yeah, you with know? my mermaid tail. I was like, yes, <laughs> Like, was it, was it, were you in, 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 on, on reflection, you know, you know, how did, how did, yeah. <laughs> was your approach? That's hardcore. Yeah. I think that like most activists, or people that get like super passionate about an issue have an extreme mm. hardcore phase where it's just like they're so full of this like urgency to make change. And it's just like so much passion that they're just like so offended by anyone that is, you know, doesn't fit in their their, their new mindset. Mm. They've seen, you know, a lot, this happens with the climate awakening too. People are like, how could you eat meat or mm. veganism? You know, like, how mm. could you ever do that? It's an animal. It's a living breed, mm. you know. So I, I see that a lot. And and so it's helped me recognize my own phase. Um, but I learned quickly that aggression and trying to force people wasn't sustainable either. People would like, oh, you know, hide in the bushes if they saw me walking and they had a plastic <laughs> bottle or um, or like if I came to stay, they'd be like, don't look in that cupboard. You know, we shoved all the plastic in there. Um, Having said that, when I was driving into today, I was, was looking around the cab of my car going, now have I got, I want to make sure there's no no stuff around. It did actually prompt me to uh, think about some other questions about what, what actually, which we'll get to, I think, remind me of that one, what actually is plastic because oh, yeah. there are things that look like plastic that might be more rubber and there are things that look like rubber that are actually plastic. Oh, there's so, so much plastic. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that. But I'm really glad that I've infiltrated your brain and that I'm, oh, I'm totally. just like on your shoulder watching all the I was spewing plastic. going, oh, my God, imagine <laughs> if I turn up and like, you know, a, something falls out of the car. So now, I'm actually reasonably um, conscientious too. Haven't quite mastered the art of no plastics but, mm. um, but uh, yes, um, very mindful of, of – um, of that and the transition, I'm, I'm transitioning. Mm. 
Great. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> I, might, I might need some therapy around. Hope to support you. Around, around that one. Yeah. Um, now, what was – oh, no, let's, I want to know more. So, so that was, you know, 10 years ago, a bit over 10 years ago, yeah. no plastic. And, you know, what – were there times when – I guess there's an education, there's an ongoing education part of that. Um, but were there times when, you know, it was – did you did you lose sight of what you were trying to do or did you – was there times when you thought, you know, through um, online, you know, banter or, or having a go at you, you and oh, is it worth it? You know, because because you mm. when you step into that space, you are putting a reputation into the world, you know, yeah. and you are calling people out and you are setting yeah. a new example. You know, were there times when you thought, oh, I could probably just go and I don't know, work at a marine park and totally. scuba dive? Um, no, I never ever questioned. Um, I felt so strongly that there was such a lack of knowledge. Uh, and I, and every time that I, I had the opportunity to educate someone to the point of, of their little awakening, which it's pretty quick, um, they, they were converted and I would hear back, you know, I'd run into them again or, or they would message me and say, I can't tell you how, you know, I've seen the matrix. It's, it's never been the same. And I so appreciate, and especially when we get to the health impacts of plastic, how, mm. how people have felt so much healthier and safer. Um, to, to have plastic out of their life. But, you know, there was definitely hard, there were hard times. It was, a, it was, you know, when I first started, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll quit single use plastics. First, I was like, I quit all plastics. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to start with single use plastics because, you know, we have so much plastic in our mm. world. Um, so I started with cups, bags, bottles, um, straws mm-hmm. and like takeaway containers. And that was a lot. Back then it was, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much plastic is given to me without my consent on a daily Mm. basis. So I had to kind of just like get stronger about my communication. And if I was eating out, which was the most common place you'd encounter this stuff, uh, just be very clear and polite, you know, because me being aggressive about that too was not making me any friends. Don't you know who I am? Yeah. I'm the... No, I mean, I I had no reputation then either. Mm. I was just, you know, just this girl ordering a smoothie and they're like, oh, please don't put it in a cup. You know, I try not to use plastic because of the ocean, like trying to shove in the elevator pitch and these like <laughs> tiny little moments. Um, so it was really, it was really cool to be so focused on something. And yet uh, the, the norm was so opposite, but people were open, you know, if, if with a smile and a bit of like, you know, p- politeness always helped so much, just, just being friendly and, and open. So, um, socially, I was able to recruit a bunch of my girlfriends. And so they were all like, oh my gosh, yeah, we hate plastic too now. And so we started a nonprofit called Save the Mermaids. Mm-hmm. And so we would go to schools and businesses and, and we lobbied for um, Santa Barbara to ban the bag, which they did. Uh, so then I got a bit of taste of policy. And I think that that is the only- The whole, the whole county did. Yep. For, yeah. LA, Santa yeah. Barbara, and then the state. So I worked on all of that legislation. Wow, and, the, and just to just to just to qualify, um, the, the banning the plastic bag in like supermarkets—that's sort of a you get the bag when you get the groceries type stuff. Yeah, yeah, gas stations and 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 but that was that was like when you ask, were there any t- moments when you really considered the career path of being mm. the mermaid yogi goddess? Um, that was the hard time. Is is working so hard on this policy, feeling like, all right, this is the chance we have to ban it. You know, like let's put a law in place. Mm-hmm. We have the science. Um, we have, we've converted our town, like enough people of influence to, to create sort of like, um, the social proof for this, put it into law. Like, let's make this official. Um, 
And we wrote the policy. It was passed finally after so much, like, up against the big oil, who is, like, so, you know, well-funded and <laughs> the best lawyers out there to just fight every tiny little, um, every tiny little plastic policy. I'd love to see their argument. It's like... Oh, they're, you know, they like, say oh, no, that plastic's really good. No, it's ingestible and they um, say that. it's tasty. Yeah. And I, we actually gave uh, a lobbyist a plastic sandwich and said, you eat it. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> but they that, say that. That'll learn him. Yeah, they say that paper bags are just as bad for the environment. Okay. Um, which, you know, there's a point there that, mm. that, you know, deforestation, you know, here we are out planting trees. So, mm. um, but there's, there's so many ways around that, you know, bringing your own bag, using recycled paper for, for bags. So it's just very nuanced. Mm. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a lot. Um, but we, we bet we banned plastic bags and then they came out with thicker reusable bags. Which, which is, is what they've done here. Exactly. So I, when I moved here to Australia, um, I was a part of a lot of conversations with Boomerang Alliance in Sydney, um, meeting with the environment minister and, and different politicians being like, don't do what California did. Like, you have to have a more expansive ban, like include thickness, you know, be specific. So that's and how they got also, around it. So, oh, this isn't a plastic bag. This it's is reusable. It's plastic, thicker. Plastic so yeah. it didn't qualify in the – they actually specified the thickness for the single-use plastic bags that were banned. And so they made it a little bit thicker and put reusable on it. So, yeah. Sounds familiar, huh? Wow, that's and that, uh, yeah. Look, we we have seen that absolutely, and um, it's just just a bypass, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Just a sidestep. Yeah. So that's where I kind of pivoted. I was like, okay, policy is the way. Um, really excited about it, learning a lot. Um, and then I thought, man, we kind of have to build more of a social movement here, and. In my opinion, I felt like, okay, I, I need to educate the masses so that we can kind of um, bring more awareness to this issue. We've got the scientists. I can just, like, continue to elevate their research. Uh, so I went um, – I actually took a job as marketing director for one of the first activewear brands that was recycling plastic bottles into leggings. Cool. Can you say who that was? It was Tiki out of Tiki. L.A. Are they yeah. here in Australia? Can no. we get them? Do they do, a, do, a, do, a, they, do they do a fashionable men's range? Men did wear them. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few bell bottoms. Cool, uh, that really? I actually did a little tour through Australia and we, we got a bunch of footage like surfing, like everybody was surfing in the bell bottoms. They're great. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So that, so that was, um, uh, so you went, I'm going to go right to the core of this and actually help guide a company do the right thing. Yeah. Good for you. And I was also interested in, okay, I've had Save the Mermaids nonprofit. We did a lot of education. People were on board, but they weren't willing to make change. So how do I, um, you know, take a product that people already think is hot, like women are already like clawing after these amazing leggings and turn people into environmentalists mm. purely because through their purchase that they already want. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of help educate them. Hey, do you know that you've recycled, you know, 30 bottles with this pair of pants? And they're like, oh. so then it wasn't just like, so I like your literally pants. made of plastic, a recycled plastic in, yeah. in, a, in a lycra type. Yeah, which, you know, when we talk about the types of plastic, mm. you know, how much time do you have in a little pitch? There was also virgin plastic that was put into that, which I didn't, I wasn't aware of. So my understanding of, of manufacturing with, with plastic and recycled plastic grew in that space. And eventually I just felt a little bit out of alignment. Um, okay. You know, there's just a little bit of like greenwashing mm. that um, I just felt like, ooh, you know, what I'm able to communicate to customers wasn't 
the best sales pitch, you know? So, um, but it was, it was, it was incredible in terms of like creating this sort of, um, brand identity that was synonymous with environmentalism and, and, um, loving the earth and giving back and recycling, um, in a tangible way. You know, many people, uh, identify as environment, environmentalists purely because they've got the environmental, or sorry, the recycling bin and they participate in that, but they keep, don't know where keep it goes. Cup, keep cup. They've got a yeah, so yep. that's a new one. But originally, like, they mm. just were like, I recycle, therefore I'm, yeah, and, I'm and it actually influenced how they voted and, and yeah. Yeah, how they participated in, um, in society, which is amazing. Turns out the recycling bin, you know, didn't, wasn't actually getting recycled. Ends up in the landfill anyway. Landfill or like yeah. chucked over to China or Southeast Asia and polluting the very pristine paradises that we try to go travel to. So, yeah. um, but it was really interesting. It's like, okay, how can we create that same sort of um, environmental identity through, but like stronger? And then once we have a captive audience, continue to educate them about plastic and how they can reduce. And um, yeah, so it was really fun. And I got to direct like all sorts of photo shoots, like mermaids and unicorns. And really fun. <laughs> that sounds gold. But tell me, just, just before we move on from there, um, turning um, waste plastic into um, clothing, as yep. it were, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. What then happens to the clothing? Like, isn't it sort of the 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 owner is bound to sort of continue the practice when they're when they're finished with it? Like, what do they then do with that clothing? You wish, yeah. That's like mm. fortunately in these conversations, um, we're starting to learn. Okay, how can we do better? How can we do better? We're never at a hundred percent. Even myself, you know, I'm never at a hundred percent either. Um, like, I think there's this beautiful quote: "We don't need." perfect we don't need um what is it one perfect environmentalist we need a hundred imperfect environmentalists mm-hmm. we need everybody just doing their part mm-hmm. so um 80 percent of something's better than 100 percent of nothing yeah yeah kind exactly yeah. yeah totally yeah, yeah, you know yeah. like i'd rather i i think sometimes people get intimidated by my my extreme my being so extreme i don't use any plastic and i'm like no we all start somewhere you know mm-hmm. like it, you don't have to be plastic free overnight it's a journey uh so yeah. So anyway, so, so working at this company, um, was part of my journey. It was, I learned, uh, like I was able to apply some of my experimental marketing techniques and, and learn a lot about communication and education, uh, and, and also learn about plastic production and how to, how to legitimately recycle plastic bottles into, to clothing and, and learning beyond that. Okay. Yeah. I wish this was a circular brand. I wish we had a send back, yeah. you know, once your, your done. pants don't, you know, they deteriorate and they, um, are see through now or whatever, send them back and we'll mm. recycle that fabric, which we're starting to see now, but mm. only recently in the past year have I really seen that as a thing, which is epic or, um, or sending people with like a, some sort of filter for their washing machine so that when they wash their clothes, this was the re- real reason I had to leave is all any plastic fibers or any plastic clothing shed these microfibers yeah. and that just washes out into our oceans. Like our, our water treatment plants aren't sophisticated enough to filter out those microscopic fibers. Uh, so, you know, there was a few things where it's like, oh, is it really that responsible? We're talking about recycling, but we're sending people these plastic pants. It's almost just delaying the entry into the environment in a way. Totally. Isn't it? I yeah. guess if they're getting thin, well, there's something that's not there anymore. It's gone somewhere. Mm. Just on that one, I, some years ago, um, I did some work with, oh, and sort of continue to in some level, subtle energy and, um, there's sort of environmental aspects to that and, and, and sort of human species aspects to it. But one is um, the 
the impact of plastic on the body mm-hmm. as an energetic type of thing, that it actually not being a natural product can block um, our our or our auric fields basically, mm-hmm. and that can sort of interfere. Is do you, is that something you've dabbled with? Yeah. Absolutely. It's not my main message point. Mm. Uh, I have so much more to say about plastic, but absolutely that's something that I personally like to touch wood and metal and ceramic and um, dirt. And, mm. and you know, that's a part of living here now too, is having my hands more in the dirt, walking barefoot, you know, having that connection to earth. I think, I, you know, I've, I've been meaning to, I was actually supposed to get my blood tested last year by one of the nonprofits I work with in the UK to see how much plastic is in my body. Mm. Um, they did an experiment with uh, a, a, a mother and a daughter and, and they didn't use plastic for a while. They had low amount of plastic in their blood and then they just ate everything with plastic and it was just like spiked. Um, so that's, that's scientific. That's just particles and things that they can find in our blood. So imagine, yeah, energetically, this synthetic, this, this not just synthetic, but indestructible material that we touch, we live in, you know, it just, it's, it's incredible how, um, foreign this material is and how ubiquitous it is. So I absolutely think that we're blocking ourselves and, you know, kind of putting ourselves in little plastic packets, um, and preventing our, our own evolution. Well, literally, if we, if we're slipping on a, a polyester top or a, mm-hmm. you know, those stretchy, I guess, lycra is a form of, mm-hmm. is lycra a form of yep. plastic? I guess yep. it is. It's not really. And um, uh, natural, um, absolutely we are. Mm. We? We're just like just like the tomatoes in the shop. Yeah, in a plastic, plastic. bed, you know, poly polyester sheets, um, curtains, carpet, paint on the wall. Like we're just we're kind of in these like sterile environments that are preventing us from this nature connection, which is you know it's a barrier. Yeah. Oh, like we are nature. Like how? Mm. Why are we? Why are we enclosed and and kept away from that? It's just it's and even like artificial air being pumped around our homes and carpets. Yeah. So so we've we've steered off the, the the life history there for a minute, which is fine. I want while we're on the health, let's talk about health of plastic because I think and, and and some stats. You would yeah. be lovely, you know. And and, and let's jump in the microplastics because. You know they're insidious. Yeah. So can you just sort of scare the crap out of our listeners? For- <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think that's what they're. That's you. what they're here for. That's what I love. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I do, but I, can I ask you a question? Whose show is this? <laughs> this is your yes, show. of course, of course, but I'm you curious, can. No, I'm no, really no, curious to hear about um, your insights and intuition about about plastic and how it blocks our energy. Well, again, the, the, what I learnt was that um, we have ser- seven auric fields in our body. You know, we've got a kundalini and then we've got our sort of a skin one and then we have one out and there's seven and then the, the seventh is the universal one basically. Mm. So when we when we are when we have um, non-natural products on us, it interferes with that energetically, mm. you know, um, even just that static, you know, the static you get, that's a sort of a reasonably scientifically, you know, understandable type of phenomena. Mm. But there's just our body's um, need or its natural state to have these fields of energy which radiate from our, you know, our, our center, our kundalini, mm. out. And when we're wrapping that in plastic, you know, whether it's a skin layer or it's a big puffer jacket and it's sort of out in that mm. sort of, I just can't remember the name of that next one, it's basically, and then there's your sort of flight zone one and then it goes out. Um, then that is very subtly, and this is the whole world of subtle energy, it is 
very subtly but profoundly interfering with our normally normal body bodily, bodily function. Yeah. And, you know, again, like a lot of these sort of things, um, like microplastics just moving around our bodies and things, you know, it's not as though you go, oh, there it is, it's on my hand or whatever. You don't see it and then right. – it's insidious, but it's and and it, and it, and, the, and the sad thing is, it's quite normal now. Like ev- yeah. you know, everyone, most people have plastic type things. They slip on their mm. whatevers. And the majority with, with, of clothing contains plastic these days. Yeah, totally. And the other thing that I, I was thinking about when you were talking about that is like you know our microbiome. We are we are what two thirds or three fourths microbiology like 90 something percent not us yeah like (laughs) our like our skin our our gut our Mm. mouth you know is just crawling with this these tiny bacteria and different things and that is like essential to our health and um and just our integrity as a human being Mm. and you know not only are we putting plastic clothes which would just be like abrasive and just so unnatural but also like lotions and fragrances and makeups and all these different things that also contain plastics like it is so rare to find any of those products i just named that don't have something some plastic in it so just on that one so lotion so this is for the chicks because i don't know many guys are lotion up um but if you do go no yeah i do it i do (laughs) clearly for my complexion but say um, lotion in a plastic bottle, it sits there yep. for 12, six months on a Oof. shelf. You go on, on your skin. Is it is the plastic being being released from inside the bottle? 100%. So, so then you're smearing plastic on your skin. Yeah. Or sunscreen, right? Yeah, sunscreen, makeup, any like food. Okay, so I, I want to talk about how it. plastic leaches. Mm. But um, not only that, but there's the ingredients are plastic. Like you look at the back of, of your shampoo or your body wash, um, and if it has anything poly in it, that's yeah. that's likely plastic. Um, I've I've go to you know whenever I'm at uh, like my sailing club where I train or um, well I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I'll look at I'll look at products at the back and I end up you know so frequently see plastic in there. Mm. Um, Parabens, Parabens, uh, fragrance is a kind of a catch all. Like a lot of the times companies don't actually have to list all the ingredients because they're patent protected. So they want to protect their, their recipe. And so they just say blanket fragrance, which is always, you know, uh, synthetic and Mm. not good for us, but that's what lingers on the skin. If you smell the other day, I went for a surf and I smelled this guy's hair from like a hundred meters away, his hair. And he like how'd you, know how you know it was his hair? Well, because like what he was kind of like flicking it around. And, um, it was like herbal essences. No, but I could smell it, and I was like, oh my gosh, he must use like a you know no judgment, but just like a cheap shampoo shampoo okay. that's full of fragrance mm. that's just lingering. And I was like, oh the ocean. Um, so yeah, so we have to be worried about the ingredients that are mm. in these products. Um, that's why it's so excellent that there are so many natural, organic. Um, you know, even better homemade things that we can make, which are all in my book. Totally get the book. I quit plastics. <laughs> um, no, but it's true. Like if you can go to your farmer's market or your, your local market and buy, you know, a balm made by some epic herbalist that is just like mm. their passion to just whip up these little things, those are the best. Um, Joel Orchard has a beard balm. He gave me a jar the other day. You know, oh, Joel? great. Balmy. It's just, um, it's from um, uh, beeswax and, oh, f- forget, excuse me, Joel, you told me what was in it the other day, but um, uh, coriander or something. Or, yeah, okay. maybe, but it was, yeah. yeah some yeah, oil, yeah, some carrier. Yeah. yeah, like the, it's been so fun. Like this whole journey, like I 
am not like I did not grow up in a field of lavender, like gathering flowers and like, you know, <laughs> making wreaths and making bread. Like I grew up with like eating Doritos and like chips and like, you know, drinking Coke and just plastic food, which, um, you know, God bless my parents, but they thought that that, they, you know, they read the little claim, the marketing claims on, on the package that said, you know, fortified with, you yeah. know, whatever fiber or yeah. just kind of like bullshit marketing, greenwashing or mm. vegan washing or whatever these, these marketing claims. Um, anyways. And so I've had to teach myself how to care to make my own deodorant. I've, I've had been like, well, you know, there's literally no other option. So deodorant used to be full, have aluminum or aluminum yes. and just all sorts of crazy stuff. If you yes. really look yeah. into the ingredients on some, like a lot of these common products that we just like go to the shops and buy trusting because it's a brand name we recognize mm. or because it's on the shelf in the supermarket market that it's safe for us we're 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 wrong mm. <laughs> so a lot you know and these things are these chemicals are innocent until proven guilty like the u.s has had the same um like chemical bans in place for like 80 years and they haven't updated it it's it's ridiculous you know so you and it and even my experience with policy it's hard to get stuff banned so um so you have to worry about the ingredients in the actual products yeah. what's been made what, mm -hmm. you're, what you're putting on your skin or in your hair or yeah. wherever else those products are going, yeah. And then you have to worry about the packaging it's in, yeah. which um, is – how how are we doing sound-wise? Do you need a fluffy? I don't know. Do you want me I'm to kind of sit like that? No, I think yours is okay. I'm just going to try this. So excuse me, people. I'm going to try and turn off my mic for a sec. Why don't you keep chatting? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so – the packaging is, this is where, like, I kind of had a few, um, plastic awakenings. Um, first I realized that it doesn't break down and it was polluting our oceans and killing the whales and the fish. And, and, um, and then I, I learned that it leaked, it's actually harmful to humans. You know, we, we don't, um, process it in our bodies. Of course, the environment doesn't process it. Like, how would we? Um, and it actually gets into our systems as well as the planet and the ocean creatures and all, all the creatures, uh, in a couple of ways. So it, um, it flakes. So, uh, it deteriorates. We know that it breaks up. So it doesn't break down like something organic matter, but, um, over time it does, um, degrade. It, it just, you know, we've all put something Peri in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've all seen plastic melts on the fire or, um, on the stove accidentally, or, or, um, we've seen a tarp that's been out in the sun for too long start to flake, uh, or, you know, maybe a beach plastic that has been in the sun in the ocean that's like become brittle. So, um, and unfortunately it doesn't just like break down into dirt. It breaks down into these microscopic particles. Uh, so there's the, there's the way it degrades in the environment in the elements. Uh, then there's also, you know, just daily use. So, uh, say we had like a chip packet. Every time you open it, mm -hmm. it releases, it's like it releases these little particles. It's not stable. Um, you take a bottle, a plastic bottle, lid on and off. Um, that, that motion is releasing little particles into tiny, the air, tiny. tiny that you can't see. Mm -hmm. And this stuff is buoyant. Like we've all seen plastic float. We know that it's just like hovering in the air and then it settles into dust or it goes into the water or into the chips. Um, 
you know, rustling your carpet, your poly carpet, rustling your, your curtains, opening the curtains, um, wearing clothing, you know, all of these things, the movement of it, you know, you think about in the washing machine, the, the, uh, polyester clothing, it's being jostled about. That's what, that's what causes those microfibers to, to become loose, be jostled mm-hmm. loose. Uh, same thing with any sort of plastic. If it's moving, it's like, you know, rubbing up against itself and it, it sheds. Releasing. So we can um, inhale that. There's a lot of plastic in the air, especially if you have a lot of plastic in your house or at your workplace, even at um, like stop signs, you know, or red or um, red lights. Mm. There's a lot of tire um, plastic, like t- tire particles. Is that, so is that t- is that plastic or rubber? I mean, I guess you think it's rubber, but is that the same thing? So or? it's it depends. There's synthetic rubbers. Um, if it's truly from a rubber tree, great, but it's really hard. Rarely Much do we that. get specification whether it's naturally derived or um, petrochemical based. So that's another thing about like my education. It's like keep driving transparency, you know, ask more questions, demand the truth um, because, you know, there's yeah, there's so much greenwashing out there that and people that are manufacturing things just trust that rubber's rubber. And so they're like, yeah, it's rubber. And they don't, they haven't asked. And they might be using a synthetic rubber because it was cheaper to manufacture. Um, so, so it floats so we can inhale it. Um, we can ingest it through drinking the water that has the flakes in it or, um, you know. So drinking water out of a plastic bottle, you are guaranteed to be, to, to be ingesting plastic. Yeah. So you've heard the statistic that we eat a credit card the yeah, size of a credit card worth of plastics yeah. a week. So a week. yeah, a week. I was going to say, is it a year? We probably eat less, but that's a week for on average. So some people are probably eating more if they have a lot of plastic in their life. Thinking, in a week, I know. where's it going? Indoor, like, indoor. Is it staying there or are we pooing it out or weeing it out? That's, that's hard to tell. Um, so scientists are studying that frantically in a great resource. Bags, bags not being that scientist. What's that? Studying someone's poo to see how much plastic. They study so much poo <laughs> and they find so much plastic in it. It's crazy. I mean, they find it everywhere. They found it in, in human fetuses now, you know? Yeah, it's just, wow. it's, but um, a great resource if you're curious to, to study, like stay on top of that science mm. is the Plastic Soup Foundation in the Netherlands. Plastic Soup. Foundation. Okay, cool. And they have a, a Plastic Health Summit, which is like my favorite event. Um, and it got canceled last year, as everything did. Uh, but it's it's a great. It, they get lots of funding. They fund all the scientists. The scientists have like six months to. They probably had longer this time to like get results and figure the stuff out. So there's a lot of ongoing research happening around this. How do we get it out of our bodies? Some scientists theorize that, um, you know, so, having saunas like sweating it out. Um, I don't know how true that is because like I'll get into this, but heat actually causes is a bad reaction for plastic anyways breaks it down more is Um, there anything that we can do because you can you can there are things that you put in water to flocculate out um you know particles is there anything we can we can actually drink that actually will somehow you know pass it help pass it through not that we know of unfortunately which is just less plastic like that that beautifully is the only fix Mm. you know like it's um the less we like we do have the it, like time helps too. So um, it's not all like lodging in our bodies for eternity. Uh, but it, it it's just, it has to be kind of like a cold turkey, like just phase it out as much as you can. Um, so when I, I can talk more about that because it is really interesting and it does lead me to like the solutions, which are really exciting. Let's, yeah, let's but we're not, that. I don't think we're to the happy place yet because I still have to talk about the leaching. 
The leaching. The leaching. So, okay, so we've got it's the flakes. It's getting worse. Let's get worse before we get better. <laughs> so I've got questions about how did you get to Australia and everything. We'll put that on hold, but let's do the leach. Let's, yeah, let's this, leach I need it. to While finish this. we've got this. people about to, like, just vomiting from how much plastic they're consuming. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so, okay, so it's flaking and we've got it in, in our air. In water, air, yeah, water. Skin. Um, and so we don't know how much we absorb. So we inhale it, we ingest it. Do we absorb it? Not sure. We we think that wearing plastic, because here I am, I'm I'm like in a swimsuit every day. I'm like, am I absorbing plastic into my body? Um, unlikely. Uh, when you're in the water or from a swimsuit? Just wearing plastic. No, your, your, your swimsuit would be what? Recycled plastic. Yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. so, so that's another limitation is that plastic is a great material. Like yeah. it functions unlike any other material we have. That's why it's so much about, I guess. And, and especially with like clothing that we want to stretch out and also stretch back. So a lot of the natural clothing stretches out fine, but then it stays baggy, which just isn't practical for s- mm. swimming, you know, or any, I can't anything swim, swim random. <laughs> you end up just naked swimming out there, which is great. <laughs> I had one on when I got into the water. No, yeah. Where'd it go? Um, yeah. So, so anyway, so there's, we don't have science yet if we're absorbing it into our skin through our pores. Mm. Um, I like to just, try to you know err on the side of caution and and avoid that stuff but uh we don't always have the best options um okay so those are the flakes uh Mm. that's the physical particles of plastic plastic also has chemical action happening that's well i guess it's made of chemicals yeah yeah so the like the actual bonds of of plastic are kind of loose so it's Mm. got these like long um it's the poly chain so it's like many little um the ends are loose so they just break off easily and Mm. um they're actually attracted they're you know they're not happy and stable in their little bond they want to adventure out so um this is what i refer to as leaching of these chemicals they're like leaching out um so there's three circumstances when plastic acts nasty like this and Mm. spreads its toxins around um when uh, heat Mm. fat and duration so you mentioned earlier you have a a lotion bottle that's been sitting on the shelf for 12 months whatever um brand new plastic off gases so like straight out of the factory it's like smell you know like a brand new car Uh, that's all the plastic off gassing like you don't want to be around that so you don't want brand new plastic but you also don't want old plastic not only is it degrading and flaking but it also it does over time just those chemicals leach into the lotion or the oil that's been sitting on the shelf or the plant milk that's been in that little tetra pack for who go who knows how long the silver tetra the the, the silver inside yeah like plastic paper some kind of metal. They're basically going, they're dissolving. Because, yeah. Are they? So yeah. Going it's, into solution in a way. It just, yeah, it just, it like, it just goes into that, the water or the, whatever yeah. it's containing yeah. the oil. Um, yeah. So duration, if it's been in your shelf or in the supermarket for a while. Um, the other thing is it's lipophilic. So it's attracted to fat. So if it's containing oil or if it's containing um, some sort of like cream in the lotion or, mm-hmm. you know, um, a shea butter or whatever, and it's contained in plastic, that plastic, wants to go into the fat straight away. It's like So it wants it wants to actually get away from being a solid wall of a bottle into the fat itself. Well it's still a solid wall, but it's just but, like yeah, it's leech. like it it leaches its chemicals. It's kind of like um I'm trying to think of an example. Like if you had um like an oily can and you poured coke into it or something like it would just mingle and mm. it, it just isn't st- solid and stable. It's not just staying in the container. Um and uh, so 
if you're if you have fat in there so if you get a coffee cup if you have a plastic to go you know single use to go cup those are lined with plastic the paper ones are lined with plastic paper is lined because imagine if you get mm. paper wet it just gets soggy yeah. so there's definitely lining in there unfortunately not recyclable because it's paper and plastic smashed so together it's just not cost efficient to recycle something like that plus it's full of coffee anyways i digress um (laughs) so there's a plastic lining and so we're putting coffee in there if it's if there's it's a latte if there's milk the plastic goes into that milk we drink it and it's hot well it's hot so that's the that's the third one it's hot so imagine all this takeaway everybody's getting like uber eats and all this like plastic food or food delivered in these plastic boxes it's hot it's greasy you know it's seeping straight into their food they're just eating this toxic bowl of estrogen so that's how it acts in our body so not only is it getting in there all these different ways it's affecting our endocrine system and our reproductive system pseudo estrogen like soybean well that's i think more like phytoestrogen i think that's a a plant-based but so like sometimes those are okay for us um but yeah like a synthetic estrogen is just like we have so how, many. I mean, isn't it fascinating? That how does it even ha- happen? Like estrogen is a naturally made occurring yeah. um, uh, hormone in our body, and and lo and behold, a plastic bottle can have estrogen in it. Like, why, why is that even a thing? It's how do they even crazy. Happen? I I mean, I don't know. Just freak accident. Like another reason for us to avoid, you know, like prevent us from contacting this foreign thing that's affecting us energetically, physically, emotionally. Um, you know, all sexually, you know, all these things. It's like, whoa, get this out of my life. But um, it's like, I was so glad I made the decision because I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff is so nasty. Um, so, okay, so it acts like estrogen. It's so crazy. I actually read this really great book. Um, it's called Estrogeneration, and it's by this scientist um, and doctor from actually Minnesota. Mm. And he sent me the book a couple of years ago, or probably four years ago now. Um, and it's incredible. It gives, it's like his top 10 um, ill reproductive uh, list. And it's just 10 uh, chemicals that we come into contact on a daily basis that are estrogenic. And he lists phytoestrogens like soy and um, he lists mold is also an estrogenic um uh, red food dye. So like red, there's red, anytime you look on a packet and it has red dye, like apparently it's in 40% of products in the supermarket. Like it's crazy. Salmon, meat. You'd be, you'd be there as a, as a, nu- a number, would it? Yeah, yeah, red dye 40 or red dye. I can't remember yeah, the yeah. specific two. Um, it'd be easy to Google if anybody wants to look but it's, it up. It's not good. I think it's in here. No, it asks good. like estrogen. So the parabens, so the fragrance, phthalates, which is another kind of plastic that is basically like there's mm. there's like hard plastic, which is like the base plastic, like a I'm I'm a bucket. <laughs> and then you can add phthalates to it, and now your bucket's clear or like red or like flimsy, <laughs> you know, like phthalates are like the characteristics you add in. Mm. Um yeah, so it's just great. I was like, it's a lot. It's huge. Like, so, what does that so do? To, what, what does that do to a, um to a person? Like the yep. the the the, the um, estrogen from plastic, yeah, which in itself is just crazy that it even <laughs> happens. But what, what once someone ingests that or it's on their skin, I'm like, what are we? Yeah. What's happened to the body? So basically, we've got hormone receptors all throughout our body. So like if we're hunger, hungry, we get that hormone. Um, it, and then we have more for our sex hormones. So we have more estrogen receptors. So if we drink the um, coffee in a plastic cup and it it travels through our body, it's going to 
ding the estrogen receptor. Yep. Um, that it, it kind of like to sum it up. I mean, it's so nuanced and there's so much research on this. So it's hard to ever get a scientist to nail down like what happens yeah. without, um, you know, having to read their entire, which is legit. We should, yeah. but basically, um, it tells our body kind of like we're pregnant. So male or female, everyone in between, it is a growth. Uh, it's a growth response. So um, they've connected it to obesity, um, cancers, heart disease, um, as well as ADHD, um, developmental disorders. In, in, infertility? Infertility, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a sex So the hormone. body's going, I'm already pregnant. I don't want to get pregnant now. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. just like put on weight. So we see um, men develop man boobs. Yeah. Um, there's actually there's a lot of research around um, this this genitals and like the the changing in there and the shortening of uh, male genitalia. Um, so it's it's re- and it also passes on to our offspring as well. So it doesn't just stay with us. Um, we can pass on these sort of like reproductive. Um, diseases or disorders um we can pass on infertility if we if we actually are able to so uh, epigenetic type um yeah stuff yeah so it's really scary Mm. and and just to see the list of the things that we encounter on a daily basis how ubiquitous all of these different things these these estrogens that we're exposed to on a regular basis it just makes you um yeah want to make all your own beard balms and all your own deodorant just live out in the country what about um uh children you know, and my daughter's ten. Um, you know, what 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 does a diet full of that sort of stuff do to you know young yeah. young females? Great question. So, um, just again to scare the crap. Out I of you. know, and and the light is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Like we have so many more options to so stay with us because we you know this whole this <laughs> there's, is, a, there's a silver lining. <laughs> yeah, we we I will help you. We will support you. There's a support group meeting later. Um, <laughs> plastics, plastics anonymous. Yeah, that's you know we'll go in the ocean and just dive under and just <laughs> be great. Um, yeah, actually, children, fetuses, pregnant women are the most susceptible uh with as with all toxins um so it's yeah it's really tough you you really want to support your pregnant friends mama sister whatever um to have as little plastic around her as possible during that period and after when she's got the brand new baby i know there's so much plastic baby products um and that's another thing that i'm working on is just like helping uh create more op- options for people. So um, both all natural and affordable and accessible. So like there's that itself is, is a whole like <laughs> amazing discussion. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really important that kids are, are um, as little exposed to plastic as possible, which is hard. You don't want to be the helicopter plastic parent um, that is like, no, you can't have that. You can't do it. You know, so just doing your best is what's important. Um, you know, you don't want to obsess over it because having like a anxious parent is probably less cool or less good for them than having like a, you know. <laughs> it's, the, it's the balance. But I guess also just having said that though, you know, you think about what products are in plastic anyway. Yeah. You know, like. Whether you whether you don't want your kids to have it because of the plastic container it's in, but like it's usually going to be like a fizzy, sugary drink, isn't it? Or some processed yeah. food or something. Yeah. So whether it's the plastic, it's wrapped in all the contents, mm-hmm. 
kind of good thing to avoid anyway. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I know like I don't have kids, so it's easy for me to say, but you know, I have a lot of friends and, and students and clients that have big families and um, they do their best. They make yummy treats. So like I have lots of recipes for yummy treats because mm. that ends up being the main thing is yeah. it's just like, oh, I don't want to make a brownie. I'll just buy the packet or the candy or whatever. It's kind of like these like slip ups where you fall off the wagon and then you stay off and you don't get back on. But it's those it's having a, a pantry or, or a fridge full of yummy treats, you know, making that building that into your routine, making the family do it together, whatever that like helps you avoid those tricky situations like, oh, no, I have that yummy treat we made with, you know. But make, it, make it a bit of a ritual or a bit of a family event. Yeah, yeah. Without going, we're not going to do plastic anymore. It's like we're going to just do food better. And know? kids respond super well to the dolphin effect mm. and turtle effect. Well, you show them a picture of a turtle or you mm. tell them that, that dolphins, you know, choke on plastic and they'll never use it again. And they'll be at the store being like, Dad, you can't get plastic, the do- mm, you know, and they'll, dolphin killer dad. they'll hold you accountable, which is amazing. It's so mm. good to have like a team diversely, you know, everybody has their own why. You're the parent. You're like, I don't want you to take the plastic because it, it does affect kids' development. Yeah, yeah it, it leads to like obesity is the biggest one. Again, because of the hormonal effects and and. And again, I guess it's it's also in some way, as I was saying before, you know, the, what what's in what is in the packets that are giving them the hormonal response type thing. It's the shit food anyway. It's the sh- and that's that is another whammy. epic benefit of quitting plastics is you don't eat any packaged processed crap. Are you looking for more information to assist you on your regenerative journey? We've created an online community of supporters with exclusive access to interview transcripts, live online Q&A sessions with Charlie and his interviewees, as well as the opportunity to be interviewed on the show yourself. If you would like to be part of this community or would simply like to contribute to the development of the podcast series, please make your way to patreon.com forward slash the regenerative journey podcast. We look forward to you becoming a member of the regenerative journey community. Let's get back to this week's episode. I want to make sure we don't sidestep that we do talk about regenerative agriculture because I noticed on your website, and I was really excited to see that, you had identified your plastic, um, your pot on, on your Mercast, your your episodes that were talking about plastics, obviously, mm. and also the regenerative agriculture one. Yeah. Just going, yes. Yeah. So tell me about your connection with that, because I'm I'm conscious that not everyone who listens to the this show is like a farmer and yep. that's their main thing. But you know, I I, I will always and and have for some time try to identify how regenerative agriculture is the centre of so many things. That's right. You know, food. Yep. I like it's like you know, put your hand up if you eat food. Pretty much everyone. Everyone's so maybe it. that should be important to people. <laughs> so tell me about your you know we're here on your farm, your five acres, which is magnificent. And um, if you're hearing some, um, it's actually stopped now, but before there was some road work going on over there, so yeah. I apologise for any, I want to apologise for the cows mooing. Yeah. That's just gold. That. And, the, and the magpies. <laughs> but you're, you're here in, on a farm. Tell me about your connection with or interest in yep. regenerative agriculture. Yeah. And how you've sort of transitioned yourself mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so I can't eat packaged food, so I eat, 
fresh fruits and vegetables. Get out of here. <laughs> yep. You're crazy. Great. I know. I know. <laughs> so fringe. Um, and so I have to either have a relationship with my farmers because, you know, being plastic free, sure, but like they even package fruits and vegetables in plastic at some mm. markets. Um, so it's so important to me wherever I travel to like one of the first things I Google is like the farmer's market. It's so fun to try the local foods and, and just see that culture. But um, also like to know my what what I can eat, you know, that's what that's where I shop is at the farmer's markets. Um, and I in that journey of of learning okay, I need to shop at the farmer's market. What can I grow? You know, um, I got interested in, in growing and I actually plant a lot of my food scraps. And that's another thing that I have a lot of that's is because cool. I don't have plastic packaging. My trash cans are empty, but my compost is massive. Mm. You know, I, I have always just so much food waste, um, just like the veggie butts and different things. And so I was composting. So I already was like, involved in land even when I was like in a city I, I refuse to throw food scraps into the trash I just do not want to be responsible for that methane so I will go on a walk and I will dig a hole like if I, no matter how far or I'll keep I'll carry a little bucket of the food scraps until I find a suitable place to bury someone it someone else's backyard someone else's backyard just <laughs> it's hilarious like meeting random people and being like this is this is weird, but can I bury this in your front lawn? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully the bag isn't too big. Yeah, no, it's never containing a body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this person didn't recycle. So but good no. for you because that—I mean—that that that in itself is um, a testament to your the discipline you have and your your commitment to it. Though you know, random strangers, can I bury this? My veggie scraps in your backyard i mean that's not some that that's uncomfortable for people and that's a pain pain mm. in the ass and like but that's that's fantastic we should be doing more often yeah i think i mean there's two things that that i want to share from that one that we're so disconnected from community i i feel that people are so eager for that sort of random interaction and it's always hilarious like it and you'd, you'd be uh, i imagine you would your your approach would be would be funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like I try to bring I, – I just am a naturally, like, happy, joyful person. Um, and so when I find myself with a pile of food scraps, I'm like, what am, what am I going to do with this? Like, what are my options? And, yeah, like, you know, most people would probably just throw it away. But, you know, the second thing I want to mention is that what we're doing now is not sustainable. Like, that word is is such bullshit because there's nothing mm. – There's so, it's so rare, like – it's so rare that we're actually doing something that's good enough that we is worth sustaining. We're still at that 80% of something is better than 100% of nothing. You know, we're still trying to get there. We're still creating. We're still learning, ah, oh, this this clothing brand should be circular. We should have a send back program. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, this thing is made out of 20% virgin plastics. Like we need to tell people that so they know understand what they're buying and like the limitations of recycling. And oh my gosh, it's shedding these microfibers. We need to send out a filter. You know, so like we're not we're not there yet. So um We're not at a point where what we are doing is good to sustain because we're actually still trying to we don't want to sustain crap. crap. Do we? Yeah, exactly. We want to sustain High standard recycling, repurposing, re everything. That's what we want to sustain, having regenerated it to that point. And there's a few things. Yeah. So, like, 
and that's what I mean. Like we're pioneering that stuff. Like we're out here experimenting and we get to be playful and silly and weird and, and mess up too, you know, make mistakes and, and be weird and ask random people. And sometimes they say no and they're like, that's so weird, you know, or, um, but I, I feel that that's what, um, makes my lifestyle fun and interesting. And, and this like adventure of life is because I'm, I'm, there's no right way to do this stuff. We actually have to invent it. And that feels really fun. It's like this wild west of, of environmental, you know, like coming back to nature, like reconnecting to our wild, you know, it's beautiful. Um, but there are a few things that we're coming across that are worth sustaining, you know, circular economy, um, regenerative agriculture. Like that's where I fell in love with regenerative agriculture. Cause I was like, Oh, fuck. Like, can I swear? Sorry. You just did. It's fine. I just did. Okay. Oh, darn. Um, the climate, you know. <laughs> We're so not going to take that out. <laughs> Fuck. I just said it. Oh, no. I just said it too. Oops. Um, yeah. So just learning like how saturated our, our atmosphere is with mm. greenhouse gases and just being like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, plastics, but whoa, climate. Um and and trying to that's why I started my podcast. I was like, what I don't understand this issue well enough to to, to debate, you know, my Republican family members and, and really advocate for the Green New Deal and, and really discuss the solutions. They're like, eh, you know, probably on their way out and not really caring anymore. But um, you know, I, I was like, Oh man, I'm an environmentalist. This is my life, this is my career. And if I don't understand this well enough to discuss the solutions and to really believe in them and know what the path is. I bet a lot of people don't. Um, so I started the Murcast and I, I've, I've interviewed like all my f- favorite plastic people and that list continues to grow and it's such a fun project. But I also interviewed a lot of um, climate solution, you know, legends, people that were um, just knowledgeable about the issue to help me kind of tackle my own fear and understand the solutions and regenerative agriculture was incredible like I've learned so much and I can't wait to have our conversation as well because it's something that you know that inspired me to to become a custodian of of a little bit of land and there's so much that I want to do here and grow food and share with the community and um, plant trees and you know it's just it's it's beautiful and these things go hand in hand don't they like regenerative ag in terms of a solution to lots of things, human health crisis, uh, well, one of the solutions, um, yep. you know, pulling carbon back out of the atmosphere, reducing the amount that's being emitted because you're just not burning the diesel and the, using the chemicals and all mm. those sort of things. So it's really um, that goes hand in hand with what you're doing, which is another environmental, you know, plight um, and, you know, I think it's, it, it, was, it was something that was obviously – going to happen at some point right. because they're so, for you I'm, I imagine because they're so inter, um, interrelated yep. you know I mean um, plastics are so petrochemicals so we, you know they didn't come out of this out of the universe well it did probably once upon a time but they are let's just take it back to what is plastic plastic yep. is petrochemical type substances yep. so they were oil. All, they're oil yep. yeah so we've yep. turned a natural substance which is mm-hmm. what all is it's just a long way down and very old and we have Dead dinosaurs. Dead dinosaurs, yeah, marine life, all sorts of stuff. Don't feel guilty. Yeah. Um, and turn that into something that is that was natural and is very unnatural now. And that yeah. in itself to me is like fascinating because yeah. humans have the power and the call it science or the, yeah. the, the ability to turn 
to do that, yeah. which is really scary. I mean, you know, this this sort of steps into the talk about, you know, agricultural chemicals, yes. same thing. Yes. Petrochemicals turn into ridiculous, filthy things that are, you know. Oh, DDT. DDT. I mean, uh, glyphosate, like it's uh, – we studied a lot of that in, in, college, in philosophy, when I studied philosophy and we studied environmental ethics and Rachel Carson, you know, Silent mm. Spring and, and the impact of what we're doing here does not stay right here. It spreads out to all the surrounding ecosystems and we're just in a big interconnected ecosystem on this planet. And um, I, think, I think that foundation of understanding helped me really see why plastic was its own sort of like toxic, you know um, – I don't even know what to terror, uh, but yeah. Pla- what was what, what, what was the question? What am I talking about right now? Um, ag, plastic, petrochemicals. Oh, ag chemicals. Another crazy thing is the amount of plastic used in agriculture. You mm. know, when we moved here, there we were pulling up plastic just out in these this like field. We like still ke- find like plastic. Ke- chemical drum, like tw- twenty-layered chemical drums, or no, oh, like ag the. Pot. The pump, the like tarping the le- the lay the long the spreading out of t- tarps to prevent weed growth. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. weed actually, matting and weed tarps matting. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so lots of that. Um, I've I've lived on a couple regenerative farms or organic farms just to like learn more and 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 just put myself into immerse myself in the amazing humans that are attracted <laughs> to that sort of thing. So cool. Um, and they had, there was so much plastic there too. And I was like, oh, no, like, can't we oh. use Hessian? Okay. Plastic on the organic farms. Yeah. yeah like to, yeah, pr- yeah, you know, yeah. they're like, we're, how else in are the we going to. production gonna- of food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I did a few like, you know, audits and, and we tried to work. It was so fun. We tried to workshop mm. through like, what can we use instead? And we tried Hessian and it just like would, compost you know it wouldn't really last and it's like man okay here again plastic is serving its purpose it's the most durable weather resistant you know strong material out there and that's what it was invented to do that's why we altered something so natural into something so unnatural Mm. so that it wouldn't biodegrade so Mm. that it would stay there i mean it was first really brought to the market in world war ii when um the soldiers were like you know they they used it in helmets in in gear so that it was lighter but still durable Mm. um and and because you know a generalization but all the men were off at war the women were at home raising the families they had to enter the workplace Mm. um or the workforce and so they brought plastic there as well and they were like tv dinners you know disposable plates and cutlery just wipe it into the trash can and it was like godsend you know it was this material that was just saving America and Strong, the other durable light disposable colorful, yeah you know and then the trash can was filling up so the big oil actually big plastic that that industry was like what do we do they invented the recycling bin mm. they didn't invest in the infrastructure to help that evolve um so it recycling doesn't work we should still do it because there's a percentage that does get recycled yeah. um and I can talk more about how to recycle properly but um the the truth is, is that they just needed another can in the kitchen to be able to, you know, fill a second vessel up before the trash truck came it in. It all went to the same one. Yeah. And the Second World War's got a lot to answer for because that's where the use of the, a lot of the chemicals mm. that were chemicals of warfare were going, sure. what are we going to do with all this stuff, you know? Yeah. And they organophosphates were turned into, they go, hang on, we can actually kill people and hang on, we can kill plants yeah. with this stuff. And then all the other variations on that um took off oh man you know what there's um there was 50 what was it 
no, 100 barrels of oil, of DDT um, discovered leaking off the coast of Los Angeles recently, last month. In the, in the ocean. Just somewhere. dumped. Like it was banned. I can't remember when it was banned. I think it was banned like maybe 50 years ago or something. Yeah, I was going to say 60s. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah. Um, and so once it got banned, the chemical company that was like making a killing off this like pesticide mm. um, didn't know where to go with it. And so they just took it out to sea and they dumped it. And it's now leaking mm-hmm. all over Catalina Island and it's been leaking for the past 50 years. Oh, no. Isn't that rude? Yeah, it's just so irresponsible. Like they just must have thought the ocean was so vast they could just like dump it, it's but like just like sewage used twenty to, miles. Not quite the, the same thing, but you know, outside the city yeah. of the Bondi cigar, you know, like, totally. that was where you used to get pumped out there. Mm-hmm. Just about the lifespan of plastics. Um, uh, quick little anecdote in in the in the late sixties, yep. my mother um, and mother and father were living at a place at Durambandi, a, a station called Yambergen family place. Mum was a and still is a very good cook, and she mm. made a. And I have to, I have to get, I have to get her to adjudicate exactly. Was it? I'm not sure. If it was an orange cake or marmalade? Okay. Orange related food product that she submitted to the Durham Bandy Show and won first prize. Wow. For one or the other, her um, prize was a plastic orange um, squeezer. You know the okay yeah mm-hmm. right late 60s. We still have that plastic. Wow. Orange squeezer. It's Amazing. like it's like a. It's like a family family heirloom. Cute. When friends come, I actually hide it in case they break it. But my point is, it is um, late sixties. What is it? It's it's six. No, it's not. It's fifty years old. Mm. Late sixties. Yeah, it is yeah. fifty years old, and yeah. it is as durable and as 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 and everything as, as the day it was made. It's amazing. Is my point is that um, my sense is given plastic plastic products that I am involved in. You know. Used to be agriculture and just sort of you know, now somewhat. Mm-hmm. Things don't last as long as they used to. So my fifty-year-old orange squeezer is still cracking on. Right. When things, as you say, you know, bottles degrade, you just see them yeah. on the beach or on in the thing. They're, they're within yep. months. I think that's is a that, result is that, of is that, a, is that a business decision? Yep. I think that that's a cultural result. I think that we just are disposable. In our mindset, we don't, we're not satisfied with one orange squeezer for life. A new one comes out and we need, it functions better. Um, and we want it to match our new kitchen set or we decided like wood handle is more in and we need to look, you know, the part or whatever. Mm. We're just materialistic. And so our stuff, even though it doesn't wear out or break, um, it, it just needs to be replaced more more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like, that's voids within our own. That's, you know, we're in the little plastic packet and we're not connected to nature enough to be like, I don't need so much stuff. Um, we have all these voids to fill and we fill them with stuff and, mm-hmm. and external, you know, we're always reaching, whether it's for like alcohol or um, drugs or sex or um, thrills or stuff, shopping. Trying to fill a need or a gap or a yeah, yeah. um yeah. instead of, of more, more, more. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so that's that's one element and then i think that stuff uh as a result stuff is just poorly made these days yeah. so it's just a, a business decision for sure that mm. we don't need to invest in like the best mold or the best plastic in fact a lot of the time they are designed to break so that they have to be replaced to hold mm. on to that customer mm. base Talking about stuff breaking, um, well, maybe not, but I'm going to segue there anyway. You get, um, I have seen, and if you if you're not following Kate on social media, 
please do so because I absolutely love your videos. They are hysterical. <laughs> and you've, you've seen, so I'm not sure how long you've been doing it, but you're sort of like your rapid fire, bang, 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 solutions to this and mm. having fun with that. And they're so good. So please, everyone, get on there and follow her and, and watch. Um, you have at times, and I remember there's one particular post where you were very diplomatically saying, maybe it's on your, it's on your website or a post, I'm pretty sure it was a post, and you were saying, thank you to everyone who sends me stuff, but can you not wrap it in plastic? It was really fascinating that like people were going, oh, she's a plastic person, anti-plastic. I'm going to send her something to promote, but I'm going to wrap it in plastic. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, It's crazy how many uh, – I think people maybe see how many followers I have and just email me to promote their stuff. And, and so many times I'm like, hi, what is it What is it made of or what's it packaged in? <laughs> and no reply. <laughs> you know, the, or they'll reply and be like, oh, yeah, it's plastic still having no idea. And I'm like, all right. I'm completely, and then I just give, I copy paste my lecture and I'm like a few photos, like the turtles. I'm like, they need to see it. You know, sometimes Mm. the fear factor or the shock factor is is the most effective. Um, But yeah, it is, it's fun. And that's an, that's another learning opportunity too. Cause like we all get stuff sent to us. So um, that little conversation is so important Mm. because uh, then I end up with the empty trash can and I save myself a walk to the end of the driveway. You know, whatever it is that you have to motivate yourself to make time for that little email. Hey, can you send it in paper? Because uh, I won't buy it if you if you don't, you know, like, can you wrap it? I don't care. Wrap it in an old package, whatever. I just don't send Use me paper. plastic. Yeah. yeah, you know, and, and oftentimes making that suggestion, making it easy for them. Um, I usually buy for like from like small businesses, like trying to support like legends and um, makers and homemade whatever humans that are small business. Um, and so they're always like, of course, or like I already do, you know. Um, I rarely am shopping at a large um I don't know, store or supplier of things where they don't care, <laughs> they don't it. hear back. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon, Kmart, you know, like Aldi. <laughs> Big like, <W's. laughs> yeah. Which it's leads me to ask a question, and maybe in your book and, you know, tips like we, we, we always encourage our family not to give us Christmas presents hmm. because they're sort of, you know, invariably, as, you know, we, we appreciate the gesture and we love, love the, the yeah. thought and, and the consideration, but invariably things are somehow wrapped in plastic, you know. Yeah. And it's, I guess there's no easy way to to tell people that. And often they're – have you found that, you know, people get offended because, like, don't you get that I'm, I love you and I'm going to give you something <laughs> special? And you're going, yeah, I get that, but it's like it's got plastic on it. So, yeah. you know, how do you – how do you is that – have you got any tips that you yeah. can tell people? Yeah. Just tell them as it's it is. It's all about delivery, mm. you know. Um, I think if you – if you get down to the intent, you know, the intention behind something, if you say, hey, Christmas is about love and togetherness, right? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, and we want to be kind and generous and loving to each other. Yeah, well, let's um, do something together. You know, let's, we don't need, we don't need um, gifts because we're trying to simplify or or minimize stuff. We're trying to be more minimalistic or, you know, like help them connect to the reason, um, whether it's Christmas or whether it's birthday or whether it's your children. You know, I I have a lot of friends that just get grandparents giving them Mm. stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, we don't need any more stuff, much less plastic stuff. Mm. So um, if you acknowledge and say, look, I so appreciate the thought. It means the world to me that you care enough and that you see, you think of us when you see this. Um, We're really, 
really committed to less stuff or whatever it is, your little spiel, um, and then offer the solution. I think it's so important to like mm. connect first, like connect heart to heart. Like, thank you so much for thinking of me. Um, this year, we're not doing gifts. If you want to donate on behalf of us, if, you know, what I do with my friends is we do um, Secret Santa and it has to be made. Um, so we made bee boxes for our secret Santa. Now we just have one person to give a gift to, but we had so much fun making them, you know, and bee other boxes as in a, a hive, Honey like yeah. a, oh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Them. For native bees. Yeah. Oh, unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Little story bits and they go in there. It was just um, three boxes, so mm. it was kind of traditional. Yeah, cool. um, but apparently, yeah, we, we were hoping that they became native bee boxes. Um, but kind of nice, like so creative, getting creative and finding oh, the way to have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Now talking about fun, I'm not. I'm so not good at segueing. Um, <laughs> fun, fun, segue. fun facts or myths. Um, because I'm sure there's a few myths about plastic, good or bad. You know, are there any that you? You know, you just want to blow people's heads off about, um, about you know, anything sort of that you can tell yeah. the listeners about. Like, like as in shocking stats? Like a yeah, garbage. shocking stats like, oh, plastic is safe for, to consume. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But yeah, stat, yeah, stats and myths and, you know, misconceptions about plastic. Um, I okay. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, don't, I was... don't make it up. You, you have it. <laughs> anything. It'll be fun now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, there's so much, there are so many statistics out these days. Like, fortunately, we have a lot of scientists working on this, which is great. Um, I'm always shocked that a garbage truck of plastic enters our oceans every minute of every day. Um, I, let's see, what are, you know, the, I think everyone's heard the, the shocking facts about there's going to be more plastic than ocean or than fish in our oceans by 2050. By, by weight. Yep, by weight. Uh, and plastic is light, so imagine. Um, so, I mean, the, the shocking, the hard part is, is that um, a lot of people end up focusing on the, the cleanup, right? We, th- we see all the plastic on the beach. Mm. We see it in our trash can. We see it on the side of the road. And um, it's important to uh, put energy into the cleanup. Absolutely. I spent years cleaning beaches all over the world. It was just like, that's where I really got the passion for it. So I was like, oh my God, we're traveling here to surf and the water's full of plastic. This is crazy. Um, so I've done days and days of, of beach cleans and it's really important to, to really have to sit there and pick up cigarette butts to care to never flick a cigarette butt again. You know, it's to pick up all that crap and like, remember like the uh, the Q-tip here in Australia, they're, they're plastic Q-tips, not as much anymore, but just different things. You see it in the cleanup and you're like, mm. oh my God, never again. Um, but it's, it's, it, there's this great saying, if the sink was overflowing, you wouldn't reach for the mop. Mm. You would turn off the tap. Yep. And that's what the plastic movement, that's what the climate movement, mm. it's not focusing on like the little beach clean, the plastic that's out in my yard. It's, David and Goliath, it's going after mm. big oil. It's going after big plastic. It's saying, how do we stop plastic production? You know, because they're seeing like their, their grip on the fuel, on transportation, on, on, um, you know, fossil fuel, that, mm. that their grip is slipping because there's so much climate awareness and, and not f- hopefully finally some governments are taking strong action, um, to reduce emissions through, through these transportations and fuel, whatever. Um, Big oil's like, all right, plastic, that's, we got to double down, triple down. They're actually going to triple their production in the next 10 years. 
Uh, so plastic is not going anywhere and we mm. see it. It's getting more, you know, they are so brilliant at coming up with, um, new product design. So, oh, you know, all these little spray bottles and cleaning bottle, you know, all these, do you just start to notice plastic around you and you see how intricate and like engineered and innovative and well designed it is because. And, and, and also, um, hard to, to differentiate like it's yeah. almost like we don't even see yeah. it because it's like sneakily hidden in a right you know? and packaging like mm. you know like um i can't even think but like what's a vegetable that has like three layers of plastic oh like maybe potatoes that are on a styrofoam tray mm. and then like plastic wrap yep and then maybe like a plastic band or a plastic label you know mm. like so much plastic in that then a potato like you 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 don't need to Do package that you know no. you can get that naked um, so I think that like I could rattle off so many plastic stats that probably are, um, you know, you can, you, there's so much information out there about the negatives of plastic, but I think the focus should really be on reducing it at the source, reducing plastic p- production, uh, to prevent it from becoming pollution. You know, we have to go further upstream to look at like, how do we tackle that? Which is not unlike um, regenerative agriculture where, mm. yes, we're sequestering carbon that's in the atmosphere and it's going to take a long time to sort of get that balance right. in, back in place. But, you know, taking out the use of chemicals, not ploughing, you know, as much mm. or minimum till, um, that's, that's the, this is, that's, I guess that's the beauty of, of it is that there's this dual, you know, dual attack, as mm. it were, you know. Let's not emit as much and what is emitted Let's do our best to put that um, put that back in. Right. Tell me about um, uh, mentors. Was there anyone that you want to make a note of who were was particularly inspiring? Your your previous, um, you mentioned um, uh, your um, professor or um, scientist over there, yeah. um, Cousteau, um, Dr. Like, Dre. Yeah. yeah. Or, or any, I mean, I don't want to put 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 mentors in your mouth, but <laughs> you know, anyone that you. Want to just acknowledge or just you know and 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 also mm. the importance of mentors. I always mm-hmm. ask that question because I think it I think it is, and I'm interested to see what my invite my not invitees. What are you? You're an Invi- interviewee. Yeah. I think. Well, I would love to invite you to be a mentor. It would be lovely. Really cool. Yeah. I'm would you be that. open to that? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. There we go. Next question. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no go. What no, I, I, sure? I do, I do. I, that's sincere. I really mm. do respect what you do and the way you present your, um, your subject matter and your expertise and and share it with the world. So that is a sincere. I know you flubbed your word, but I'm going to take you up on it. <laughs> um, yeah, mentors. Oh my gosh, I, I like cannot. The list is so long. I feel so grateful. Um, to, I mean, the, the journey, it's, I, I wanted to say before we segued um, very naturally to this next topic, but I wanted to say that um, it is, you know, after studying climate and plastic for years, I, the, the truth is, is that it's really, it takes both individual and collective action. Um, we as individuals have to do our best to, eat local, shop small business, um, support our local economy, grow food if we can, compost our food scraps, use less plastic We have to, as individuals. And then we also have to be a part of a community where we support um, those things as well. We support the farmer's market. We are on a committee. We, um, you know, donate. We volunteer. Uh, we're on the policy change things, you know. So there's a lot that we do individually and collectively. Um, and 
on my journey as like such a strong individual, you know, independent, just going for this, oh my gosh, you know, tunnel vision, just how do we stop this plastic thing? Um, I absolutely like, it would be crazy to think I could do this alone. Mm. Um, I've had so much support, so much um, beautiful insight. And, and you know, starting from back in the day, of course, Dr. Andrea Neal, you know, she she was incredible because she um, was pioneering the plastic pollution research. Uh, and she just was like, I was like, we need to get your research out there. And she's like, we can't. Like, it's bound to these grants and, and I can't publish it until, you know, or, or until I get it published in a journal, I can't qualify for the next grant. And so it's private until it gets published. And I was like, what a headache. Like, oh my gosh. Holy. Props to all the scientists out there because it is hard um, and yet vital. Yep. So I was so grateful to her um, for, you know, just dropping the initial epiphany that's led me on this this path. So she was the catalyst. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Um, uh, so, oh my gosh. We're, so Captain Charles Moore has been a beautiful, like, ocean grandpa. Like, he discovered. Ocean grandpa. Yeah. He'd be yeah. okay with that. I think he'd be okay. happy. He ocean would love grandpa. that. Maybe Mom, like is he a merman. He's such a merman. Okay, like ocean grandpa merman captain. <laughs> um, so he sailed from Hawaii to California, and he discovered the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Hawaii. He was like, okay. he, literally, he literally ran into it. Did he? Yeah, I mean, well, that was that was an interesting thing, and this is another thing on my learning journey about like being specific and clear because he discovered this garbage patch, and everyone thought it was an island. And so he went on all these talk shows and they're like, tell us about the garbage island. Can you walk on it? And he was like, well, no, plastic, it doesn't, it's not like yeah. a big trash pile at sea. Like it's dispersed. It's a soup. Yeah. It's like this, the water column is just like, ugh. And so it's, it's a matter, it's, it's like currents of just sort of fashion. This, it's just a spot where it's all settled. Yeah. So, like, all over, like, the ocean currents kind of travel around, and then they, there's places where they converge mm. and they kind of form these whirlpool like systems mm. that are called gyres. And so, there's like big gyres in between all the continents. There's like um, debated five, four, six. Um, but then there's smaller gyres too, like mm. just in between different land masses. Um, so, in these giant gyres, we have these larger accumulations of trash of plastic from boats from the rivers from um dumping from whatever however it's washed out to sea and uh and captain charles moore discovered first one and he yeah but it was interesting because everyone thought it was an island and he was like no it's a soup and people kind of didn't care as much because they couldn't visualize it like we're so mm. we're so disconnected that it's like i can't imagine what that is um but anyway so, so he, be, yeah yeah yeah, so he discovered that, and now he's got the Algalita Research Foundation, and they do a lot of great stuff in California, um, still do lots of ocean um, adventures, uh, expeditions, and they mentor a lot of kids. So there are a lot of like of the young plastic activists that go through their program. Um, so I love Captain Charles Moore. Is there a, just on the kids and, and, and plastic activists, and I've never even heard that expression, so that's cool. Is it, wasn't, am I right in saying there's an Aussie guy who invented some picker-upper thing, a massive... Um, the Steven or the ocean cleanup? I don't know. Maybe both. <laughs> okay, tell, well, tell us about both. I will. So the Steven is positive. The ocean cleanup is not. I'll start with the positive. Because, no, 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 no. Is yes, that, is that here we go. Is that controversial? Totally. Okay, do it. Um, all right. So the Steven is started right in our own backyard in Byron Bay by yeah. Pete Sigliski. He's a local. And um, he basically uh, created... One, Pete. 
Yeah, go Pete. He started the trash can of the sea. So it's trash cans that you can install at your local marina, at your harbor, and you just set it in and it's at the water level and it kind of like sucks stuff in that's floating on the surface. So it sucks all the trash in. And then you empty it once a week or once a day, Mm -hmm. depends on how much trash is in your harbor. So those are great. You should all get one for your local harbor. Like it's sea bin. Sea bin. Yeah, cool. So that's great. Does it um, run just quickly? Does it run on a, like a motor, or is it just gravity that's feeding it? Or how, um, without, you know, ooh, good question. Detail? I can't believe I don't know that. Maybe yeah. it's solar. I mean, it. I think it's it might a, it's be effective, solar. Clearly, though. It's effective. Yeah, 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 it's really yeah. great. And I think the body is actually made from recycled ocean plastics mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah, they're killing it. But they they do need support because um, they need they need you to invest in your local one. Like that's yeah, that's cool. helpful. Yeah. Um. So Byron, that's great. Byron Council. Anyone from Byron Council listening to this? Just we need you to do a lot more, actually, Byron Council. If you could also ban plastics, that's just we would love that. What about Ballina Council? Ballina Council could also ban plastics. What about Tweed Council? Tweed, yeah. Brisbane. Let's do it. Sydney. Yeah. Sydney should do it as well. Yeah, New I think South we're Wales. only we've only got yeah New South Wales. Why stop it at town level? <laughs> Let's go. We actually just had some legislation Scomo. go through Parliament that was um, an opportunity to ban plastics at the federal level. Uh, it was not. It did not go over well. Um, they, it was the. It was a uh, parliament suggest, uh, created a bill called um, the Waste and Recycling Bill or Waste Reduction um, and Recycling Bill and. Um, the Greens member, Senator Wish Wilson. Do you know him? Legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I saw him on your website. Yeah. What's his name? He's got Senator. Peter Wish P- Wilson. Peter Wish. Yeah, 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 he's in Tasmania. Yeah, the serving senator. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Um, so he he was saying, hey, look, let's ban plastics. Like there's Canada just did it. The European Union did it. Like it's we need to, yeah. you know, step on. up. Um, and uh, nope. And also, also included in that bill was um, so they were talking about waste reduction, and uh, they were saying we need mandatory. Peter was saying the surfing senator was saying um, we need we need mandatory waste reduction targets. Like we need you to because um, in the bill that the our government put forward, it, they were voluntary targets. So hey, Coles and Woolworths. We need. We, is there any point in that? No, because they never stick to it. They never, in the history of anything, have they stuck to voluntary targets. We'd like to, but we really can't. Yeah, it. or yeah, we we will. We totally will. We will. We're gonna do it. We're doing it. We <laughs> do. We don't need mandatory because we're doing it. We're already doing That's it. it. So it was it was compostable, recycled, or or recyclable packaging by 2025. Like how how much is that to ask? Mm. You know, and they're like they fought tooth and nail to make sure that it was voluntary. So, um, but definitely follow Peter Wish Wilson. He's continuing to push that legislation forward. So we, we need to support that. So back to Seabin and then the other one. So we, we love Seabin, Pete, love C-Bin. legend. Yep. What, um, the other one you mentioned. Yeah, the ocean cleanup. Blow out of the dun, water. Dun, dun. Okay. And then I, uh, I, I can segue to more of my mentors through this. I've already got Toads. it. Um, You've done this before. So young boy, you guys would have all heard of Boy and Slap maybe. Well, sorry assumption um there is this 18 year old kid in uh the netherlands boyan slat and he was in school he was studying boyan 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 slat slat it's his name that's his name okay cool yeah and he um he uh he was studying engineering and he he came up with the solution he's like hey let's just make a giant floating boom and like collect the plastic in the sea yeah okay. a boom yep. and just like scoop it up um and he 
everyone was like, brilliant, genius. Why didn't we think of this? Just scoop it up. And he took his idea and he got lots of funding, um, like millions of dollars. And he took the idea to Captain Moore. Mm -hmm. And my other mentor, who is the founder of Plastic Soup Foundation, uh, Maria Westervos, she's Dutch. And he said, what do you think? And they were like, nah. Like, you can't just scoop up the plastic. Like, it, it's not sure you should, we could try and scoop up the bigger stuff, but it's, it's, there's an ecosystem that's been created around this. There's yeah. crabs living in there. There's fish that are around there. There's bigger fish and all these little plastic bits that have degraded are the same size as all the, the phytoplankton yeah. and, you know, all the, there's kind of like the base level of the food chain. If you scoop that up, you kill, you wipe up that, that base level of the food chain like that. You can't, it's not gonna work and so they they there's this kind of um there's the theory sounds right. good and then there's like the practice yeah and i don't know if you've seen this in agriculture or not but it's really hard because people get so excited about something they get so attached mm. to it they throw a lot of money at it it has to work totally. and if you say no it won't you know they don't want to hear that regardless of the science or the experience or the expertise or the credibility um and so it 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 was really it, divisive mm. uh i i actually didn't speak out against it a lot because at some point i was like oh man well at least it's raising there's interest or there's yeah it's raising yeah. the profile yeah. of this issue there's a solution out there people have hope and they're actually learning about the problem through this false solution so it was interesting to see the role that these sort of like myths and false solutions actually play in activism it yeah. failed yeah. it i was on hawaii actually when one of the arms of the boom broke off and floated out to sea like it was a disaster it didn't mm. it the ocean moved faster than the boom so it couldn't even collect <laughs> He had to borrow plastic from a local beach clean, sustainable coastlines, Hawaii. He had to borrow plastic, beach plastic from them for his photo shoots. To make it look like he'd, 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 he'd rounded it up. Yeah. You, there was a good, good point you made back there about, um, you know, in agriculture and, and, and yes, agriculture and broadly science. And yeah. I have certainly, um, been privy to, and it's not uncommon to see, um, and I'm saying scientists because they're often the ones doing the research and they get yeah. the funding and the, that's their that's their shtick, you know. And 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 a layman or someone outside of with no vested interest and no attachment to the outcome, going this is clearly, uh, you know, you might say an ego trip. This is like I'm inventing something because yeah. it, it puts me on the map, or I've got to invent something. You know, I've got to get funding, so I'm going to invent something to get the funding for, so I can justify mm. my place in the university or whatever it is. But it's a really interesting thing that, um, you know, things are um, often invented for the sake of the inventor, yeah. and are, are actually of no practical application whatsoever. Mm. And I'll, I'll sort of a case in point might be desal plant. Mm. Mm. So some friends of mine um, in Victoria were, you know, living near, live near uh, where there's currently a desal plant, and I think there's one off Sydney somewhere as, as well. And you know, th that's a, that's a, I think a great um, example of problem, you know, water security, yeah, vague in itself, so many different variables. Um, so solution, let's just. Look at all that water over there that's got salt in it. Let's just take the salt out. And just make take it out. Water. Easy. You know? <laughs> and let's spend $2 billion doing that mm. and then not use it. Yeah. But it costs $2 million a day for upkeep. Quick fix. Quick Expensive fi quick fix. It yeah. is. But it's it's political yeah. and 
pointless yeah. and, you know, greenwashing and mm-hmm. this is this is my view. I'm just jumping on my soapbox here. No, but you're right because it brings me back to what you were saying about plastic is that it, it plastic isn't evil by nature. It's how we use it. It's how mm. we misuse it. Mm. You know, it's it's humans are amazing. We're so creative and smart and, um, you know, innovative and we can create technology. It's not the technology that's that's bad. It's, it's how we use it. Mm. And that's where like the disposable plastics is so irresponsible and just stupid mm. um you know it's it's the these solutions you know same with incineration even recycling like these these systems that we have in place that represent far more than they actually do um you know incineration is this like quick fix to the mounting plastic pollution domestic we have them in australia they're on hawaii they're in southeast asia there's the quick fix it just makes a p- pile of trash disappear and then it's beautiful again but it doesn't make it disappear it, it burns it into this um, toxic ash, this dust that is irretrievable from the environment. It gets in the water, it gets in the air, like it's 30 times more like toxic than actual plastic. So there's all, there's so many examples of, of people that aren't necessarily the scientists or, or fully um, credible or, or well-read about the issue and, and getting putting forward an idea and then get getting funding because they're good at business or they're good at pitching Mm. or they're well-connected. Um, and then this shitty idea is actualized <laughs> and then it's just like plastic. It's like And often politicized. Yeah. It's like the campaign and everyone's like, Yay, we're solving the plastic pollution. Yeah. Like, oh my God. And it's good to feel the hope. It's good to feel that. But um there there, you know, again, another one of my mentors, Helena Norberg Hodge, it's all about localizing, like instead of the global plastic cleanup, like solving the world problem like it's never going to be that easy it's always going to be different for every beach for every ecosystem for every community there's different and it should be that way because then Mm. it's not just one person profiting off of the total global solution it's like individual community working together a few different minds and projects you know it um yeah it's really hard to to stomach the the quick fixes that just are such a waste of money and in infrastructure and space and mm. and then end up you know becoming often a, a problem in itself yeah like that you know again case in point D it's like costing yeah. New South Wales ratepayers two million dollars a day it's not doing anything is all that material right. that is sitting out there which didn't need to be pulled out of the ground or could have been used for something else which yeah. is in itself now a wasted resource. Mm. Um, you mentioned um, I wrote a name down here, Helena. Yeah. So isn't it funny? You know, I she now which what mo- I've seen her on a movie on a on a doco recently. Economics of Happiness, her doco. No, I've seen her somewhere else on She's Russell Brand's stuff. Oh, maybe was she on a doco? Another doco somewhere? Economics of Happiness. She's maybe been that's on fine. a few things. She's fantastic. Yeah. So you've interviewed her. Yep. Yes, and her name came up two days ago. Is it funny? You sort of don't connect things and suddenly they're everywhere like yellow cars or whatever the yeah. expression is. Yeah. Um, so she, why is she important to you? What is she doing? Um, Let's tell everyone about the lovely work she's doing. Oh, she is an amazing human. Definitely check her out. Support her World Localization Day is coming up. Mm. Um, and I, I love her work because, um, first of all, she's a beautiful person in my life. She holds Women's Circle and so we get to meet regularly. And, is she and, up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah, lives cool, just in town. Right, yeah. Um, and so it's, she's important in my life in terms of like holding space for, um, you know, like creating community, which 
is so important in this. We get out here and we're like, oh my gosh, we're up against big oil, big plastics. Like, oh, then nothing else matters. Like, keep going, fight the good fight. Like, you know, it's exhausting. It's draining. <laughs> like, how do we share ocean swims and surfs and like healthy food and water and sleep and yoga? But like humans, you know, can like, I can't just like get my fix by burying compost in random people's front yards. Like we have to have like <laughs> relationships with our farmers and relationships mm. with our elders and relationships with youth. And we don't live in tribes anymore where we used to have that be accountable to like our aunties and uncles and, and have to watch after kids. And so we kind of have to create that for ourselves, mm. especially me being from the States, you know, yeah. I, I have to actively um, create a community and she's, she's so beautiful. Beautiful, uh, because she holds space for some of my, you know, some local women. And we just like share how we're doing and we work through things and we talk about local food and that's her work. So her work mm-hmm. is, um, the localization movement. So she, um, spent many years in Ladakh and when she was over there, she noticed that, Where, where's that? Where's that? um, it's by, it's like, uh, Nepal, Tibet, oh, cool. yeah, um, yeah, beautiful. And it was pristine, untouched by Western world and uh, happy, you know, no mm. concept of um, poor, no concept mm. of, uh, you know, body shape or image, no concept of uh, it just just they helped each Pure. other. They didn't have currency. Mm. Um, they just shared. They they were, you know, they worked in the fields. It was just beautiful. Mm. And she watched as and she studied and she watched as Western influence came in and and they were then poor like oh helena we please give us money we're so poor we mm. we want to buy things we want to look this way we want to i'm oh, i don't look this certain way like um and oh she just was heartbroken and and she learned that that's the globalization mm. you know that's the big world of like yeah you know our government's tricking us into thinking that tr- international trade was benefiting us yeah. when really that's GDP. Oof, like that's mm. that's where all the food miles, that's where all the fuel is burned is to transport, you know, I I wish I knew the stats off the top of my head, but you know, we I think we export um fish to be cleaned in one country and then they're shipped back. Yes, uh, I saw something like that. It goes from so they're caught in um, I'm just making some stuff up, but the, yeah. the point is it goes from, like, say, it gets caught in Japan, goes to the Netherlands to get filleted, and then goes to, I don't know, like, South Africa to get eaten. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Everything has that. Like, it's so weird. And it's, and we wonder why, like, our local food is more expensive because all that trade is subsidized. Mm. And it's just such, a, it's a, it's a train wreck. I mean, it's a train wreck for our environment. Like, that's, there's, like, the ships that are doing this, the planes, that is just, like, crazy emissions. The food, like what condition is it in if it's traveling that distance? <laughs> and then our poor local farmers, you know, that they, they just want to like look after the earth and regenerate the earth and like provide food and, and they're having to compete with one dollar Aldi or, you mm. know, whatever it is. Um, I think Aldi actually does support farmers. I think that farmers. I did hear the other day Aldi was going to be um making sure their f- was it their fresh stuff was gonna be organic or something? Yeah, something like went, Oh my god, that's that's they haven't just like gone one step, they've just gone like to step yeah. five, you know, straight. Yeah. Some yeah, sometimes they surprise us. LD has a few tricks up their sleeve, mm. definitely. But they still uh, sell a lot of plastic stuff, you know. Yeah, but like no bag, that's random mm. and revolutionary. Mm. Mm. And we figured it out, you know. It's like we get so caught up, especially in business, people get so caught up in like, oh, we don't want to upset the customer. It's like, no, you set the tone. Set like, the, yeah. especially these huge corporations that have the power, that have the resources, that mm. have the influence, like they should absolutely be setting the bar, you know, like organic only, like. Hell yeah, that's a the oh like the beyond policy like that is the way you make change. Re-educate. This day. 
and 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 hit not hit the consumer, but the consumer has the the power to you know yes the supermarkets might say we're not going to give any bags yeah. and they go right well, cool we're going we're going to roll with that and yeah. also then go back to the other supermarkets and say hey you should lift your game and mm-hmm. you know a demand led economy I bang on about it every time is the one we should be supporting yeah. and advocating for as opposed to let's just make stuff and hope people buy it. It's like let's totally. just make stuff that is already demanded. Well, like what's your life? Like what is your life about? Like what is your legacy? Like why are you here on this planet? Like what makes you feel good? Does it make you feel good to sell crap to people that Mm. further, you know, desecrates this majestic planet? Or do you feel better about like trying a little bit hard or like scraping by a bit more to just like offer something Mm. that's truly beautiful for this planet? I bet you'll have a better life. I bet you feel more fulfilled. You know, I, I certainly think the same way that I vote with my dollar every day. And where I put my money is literally, I'm, that's my vote, like way more than my political vote, which I definitely take seriously as well. But, um, you know, like I'm supporting the local bulk food store. I'm supporting the local mm. farmer's market. I'm supporting the local, you know, designers mm. and the people that are making these things in my community mm. from the best, most sustainable products they can. Because like, yeah, more of that. I'm mm. literally investing in that. And I think that when Aldi does that sort of stuff, like I'm at a good, I'm like so grateful that I'm at a point in my career that I have influence through a, a desirable, you know, platform. Like on Instagram, I can say to Aldi, hey, do you want to partner on something? And we can amplify the solution together. Yeah. It's epic. I used to be hardcore. I used to be like, you have plastic on your store. No way I'm not working with you at all. <laughs> Which, slowly, slowly gets the monkey. Yeah. yeah, totally. And yeah. also parents as well, like, the, the role that we have to set a standard for our kids and, you know, the, the parents are in the kitchen not using the Glad Wrap and they're using the little, um, you know, cloth and beeswax covers on yeah. things and, and not using the um, the plastic containers but they've got mm. the um, perspex or the, you know, the, the great ones now, the timber, the wooden lids yeah. and things. They've still got a bit of a rubber seal but I guess it's yeah. sort of, I don't know what else you do there. Um, but there's, you know, there's steps and, and that becoming normal in the household and the mm-hmm. kitchen, I think is really important. And it's really is obtainable. It's not as though we've got to go, oh my God, it's going to change. My life. No one's going to talk to me ever again. It's like, as you say, little it's cute steps. and trendy. And that's an opportunity. Like if like, you know, the Christmas conversation about stuff and gifts, like I know people in my life that like a present, you know? And so <laughs> I'm not scared to get them their really cute, beautiful, mm. you know, reusable mug or water bottle and, you know, slide in some hectic health stats, you know, like <laughs> plastic leads to premature aging. Like just here's a cup, you know? Man, man boobs. Yeah, exactly. That's a pr- the shrinking penis one works well too. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I think that like, you know, investing in these things for our friends and family in our community, one of my favorite gifts to give is like a, I make my own deodorant or toothpaste and mm. I give them a bamboo toothbrush or maybe three, you know, and. Um, you make bamboo toothbrushes. I personally do not. Yeah. I make toothpaste. But you see, oh, yeah. I, I have actually had one in my pocket there today. You? Yeah, I did because we stayed somewhere else last night and I had to pack quickly and it was in my pocket. It's actually it's like, like fresh. Kind of there. Yeah, yeah. Fresh. Just, well, you know, it's, you know yeah. six times a day. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually something that I talk about because people are like, whoa, we don't trust your toothpaste. And I'm like, look, it's not the toothpaste that does the job. It's mm. the brush. Like mm. you just need to get the plaque out and like the mm. sugar between, you know, out of there. And that's what is going to keep your teeth strong and healthy. Mm. It's not the toothpaste. Um, and what do you, it's just um, bicarbon coconut. 
So easy. Do, yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Tops. I sometimes salt, like if you're worried about the mm. um, abrasiveness of bicarb, mm. you can just put salt in there. Um, there's so much of clay, like you just a little bit of abrasiveness. Hey, um, is it in it's in there? Yeah. You know it. I'm going to plug that one again. The I quit plastics. <laughs> um, now I'm conscious of time and, um, uh, Oliver's going to come back and go, are you still go- are you two still at it? <laughs> he took off there before. Such a helpful fellow, I've got to say. Lovely, right. lovely man. Can I – I want to sort of wrap up, but I want to just find yeah. out what you're doing um, now, like what projects people can support you to do, get involved in, mm. advocate for. Yeah, yeah. Um- Thank you. I am focused. Obviously, we can't travel, so I'm not able to host my mermaid retreats at the moment, which I love. Those are super fun adventures. Where, where were they? So I host a sailing one in Fiji. Oh. I host one in Hawaii at this um, secret cove where dolphins live, and mm. we get to just communicate with the dolphins. Um, I host one in WA, swimming with whale sharks and manta rays. You can do that. Mm, they're pretty strict about the borders, WA. I'm, gonna, I'm going in early November. Are you? Okay, yeah. well, that's a little bit far far off. I'm going to still try and do my Tonga one in September, um, and I also have a Harvey Bay sailing one um, in August, so I, yeah, cool. I'll be able to do that one. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to try and do some, like, a Queensland one coming up. So, mm. um, yeah, definitely keep uh, an eye out for those. Those are really fun, so it's totally plastic-free. Um, I teach. We make all of our bath products straight away, so you use those the whole time. Um catered plastic free we go to the farmer's market make the food but we also snorkel mm. um have epic ocean time to just like connect to nature and connect to water element and um cool. yeah just and, like and, and, and mermaids not mermen this is this is for the I have, i've opened it up to mermen's a couple times i get the pressure and i'm like all right you can come how, about, um, how they go though beautiful like yeah. there's no it's no difference it's yeah, all cool. just magic yeah it's been and we we had one where we are on uh up in harvey bay with the whales and um had music so mm. we played lots of music and sang and it was really gorgeous do you make like um uh, beeswax like back wax for the boys the mermen is yeah that, is that like part yeah. of the one of the things yeah we just like wax just, just to be more yeah. like smooth in the water you know like it's a lot of drag the back hair so <laughs> i don't have any one yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is everywhere, right? It is everywhere. Also. You got the beard balm and the back wax, so like <laughs> sorted. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, um, uh, mermaid, mermaid retreats. retreats yeah. um, I'm doing lots of mini courses. So, I've got a lot mm-hmm. of online courses, a lot of online education material. I'm yeah. just kind of like releasing those. Um, and then I've been doing a little bit of like product collaboration. So, mm-hmm. trying to find um, solutions like my favorite. Uh, version of like a baby diaper, cloth diaper, or, um, you know, different products that mm. I wish people had more of, um, had access to, knew which one I endorsed. And so I'm finding those and I'm collaborating with them on a line or whatever. Um, product, so product development? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yep. So and you should remove this or add that or think about that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm consulting on, on yeah. a lot of businesses, but then I'm also like we're making a product together. Um, and so keeping out for that, I've got a few on my website right now, which is mm. icoplastics.com and all of the um, proceeds go towards me being able to work with nonprofits. So that's my real passion um, is to work with Plastic Soup Foundation, is to work with Algalita, is to work with Plastic Free Byron, mm. is to work with Boomerang Alliance um, and to help elevate their campaigns, their, uh, you know, their efforts, their science, their research, their programs to be more accessible and and have greater reach. So um, yeah, any the book sales, you can buy this on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it just supports me to be able to help give them more more eyes to their causes. Well, Kate, can I just thank you so much for um, 
from a selfish point of view, sharing with me because that's that's uh, you've really opened my eyes. I mean, I have to say I've been conscientious, but I'm certainly no, I'm not perfect. Not that anyone's looking for that necessarily, but um, mm. you've really inspired me literally to go home. You're did for I got here and in my car going, what's <laughs> what's plastic in this car? Um, so thank you personally, but also on behalf of our listeners, thank you for sharing so many wonderful things mm. and for being you and for giving um, everyone the opportunity to contribute to the world in a meaningful way and not just to the world in terms of, you know, less plastic in waterways and so on, but, but I think really as importantly and maybe more importantly because if we're not whole ourselves and we're no good to anyone is, right. you know, how we can, um, you know, reduce the amount of plastic in our homes, going down our children's throats, literally on mm-hmm. their skin. Just before I do wrap up, sunscreen. Yep. Views on sunscreen? You can make it. You can make it. What, can make yeah, it. what's in it? What can um, we do? So there's the chemical barrier and there's the physical barrier. Yeah. So a lot of the sprays, a lot of the sunscreens rely on the chemical barrier, which is really bad for our skin. It's estrogenic as well. Anything with Benz, B, and Z yeah. on in the ingredient label is estrogenic. Yeah. Uh, so keep a lookout for that. And then, um, and then there's the physical barrier, mm. which is the surf zincs. It's the zinc oxide, which actually um, sits on top of your skin mm. and, and prevents the sun rays from penetrating. And... Um, that's great. It it also it's mine. You know, it's not like it's not like a leaf on your skin or something. But um, it it has a it's effective in terms mm-hmm. of protecting our skin. Um, and it's reef safe. So you can just mix zinc oxide with um, you know, coconut oil, beeswax, and maybe some cacao to have like a darker color of yeah, it. Tint. Yeah, a little tint. It's um, in there, yeah. It's yeah, it's in here. Yeah, you can make it. So like, I've got like a, anything, a thick any, one and like a rub on. Is there anything not in there? No. It's all this there. is all the answers to every, the, all your questions. Tardis, it's the TARDIS <laughs> of, um, of of quitting plastic that's book because right. it's, it it's never been. Um, that's wonderful because that's always something that I'm concerned of. I'm not a big fan of yeah. sunscreen, as you can probably tell. Um, and I have a favorite brand. Yeah, cool. And I have Plug a discount it. code. So Sun Butter. It's made by a, a dear friend, marine, marine biologist. It's called Sun Butter Skincare. Cool. And if you use the word mermaid when you check out, you get a discount. Unreal. Yeah. Um, is that made locally or elsewhere? So she, I met her in WA. Yeah. She was making it locally then. That's where I have one of my mermaid retreats. Mm-hmm. I met her um, underwater pretty much. And so she was making it there. And now with COVID, she's had to move back to Melbourne. So Sun Butter. Sun butter. I'm so going to get some. I'm probably going to need a bucket load just yeah. to get through all, all that. Um, Kate, thank you so much. Um, so enjoyed this one. I'm not sure whether it's, it's nearly on the two-hour mark. I'm not sure it's going to be a double header. I often split the two hours into, into two. Thank you so much. Um, we'll be in touch. I want to reconnect. I want to chat to you some more. We have a mentor now, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay, I can give you homework. Then. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you like. What busted. should I do out there? <laughs> I don't know. This is this is a this is blank a, a blank canvas. It's know, fantastic. Now that's good. Um, well, we are doing a biodynamic workshop next week, just we over go. just up the road. Oh no way! Binnabara, two days Thursday Friday. Amazing. Get out of here. We're in Sunshine <laughs> Coast. Um, not that it's going to matter. This is going to come out. Not tomorrow. Right. Um, yeah, so cool. So you we can't can, come, everybody. We've already done it. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you hear this, you'll be able to turn up to Kate's house and go, oh, my God, look at this food forest that's suddenly <laughs> sprang out of nowhere. Um, right. We better wrap it up. So much fun. Thank Thanks you. So much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Charlie. There you go. Kate Nelson, uh, we had a very entertaining chat there with, oh, I had a very entertaining chat there with Kate on the veranda of her little farm there uh, just outside of Byron Bay. 
Um, lots of good stuff. Go to her website and check out exactly what she's doing and listen to her Mercast because it's unreal. Uh, next week, we um, have the pleasure of, of releasing uh, a double header. It's a well, double header, not because it's in two parts, it's with two people. Um, it's uh, Nina and Mitch Bray. They um, run a number of farms. The one I caught them up, um, caught up with them at is at Sunshine Coast, just in the middle of a two day introduction to biodynamics course, which they're, they're hosting again. I did host again. And, you know, I interviewed these guys because they're fascinating. They're absolute, giving it a red hot go. And they're cropping as well, which is really interesting for me because. The space I used to be in, and I get a lot of queries about who is cropping. You know, how can this stuff be applied to cropping? And these guys are doing a wonderful job. So I'm lo- really looking forward to releasing their interview uh, with Nina and Spray next week. This podcast is produced by Reese Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate, and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.